Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Time now for the Character and Smallman podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. everyone and happy friday here on 101 espn it's 701 your time check brought to you by clarkson jewelers an officially licensed rolex jeweler michelle is out today danny mack is here matt rocchio is here randy Carricker is here we're excited to bring you three hours of quality radio over the course of the next three hours and uh, we'll be here until 10 among our guests today jay, jay delsing talking some golf we're going to talk to joey vitale of course it uh, 8.15, because we do that every week on Fridays. We're going to talk to Greg Amzinger of MLB Network. We're going to talk to Travis Ford as his Billikens. Get ready to take on St. Bonaventure tonight at Chaffetz. It's an 8 o'clock game, by the way. And we're also going to talk to Connor Orr from the MMQB. Danny Mack, good morning. How you doing, bro? I'm doing well. Rough Blues game last night, but Yikes. it is a Friday, and that means the weekend is here, my man. Yep, and on this Friday every year before Valentine's Day, we do heat up St. Louis, and before our show, I was over at the Hardee's at Craig and Lackland, the Westport location. Go to any Hardee's this morning, get a $1 sausage or egg biscuit, and all the proceeds will go to heat up St. Louis. And I got a chance to see former Channel 4 anchor and now Amron PR person Emily Rao over there, Wesley Bell, the county prosecutor, Mike Kehoe, the lieutenant governor, was there, uh, the people in charge of Hardee's, Tom and Lori Trotter, uh, from Hardee's were there, so it was good to see all the people that are out trying to help out the underprivileged here in the St. Louis metro area. And oh, by the way, da- uh, Danny, BK and Ferrario will be at that same Hardee's from 8 to 9 this morning before they come in for their show. Well done by you, well uh, done by everybody that's participating, going to Hardee's to uh, help out less fortunate, those that need to get uh, heat in their homes, heat in their apartments, wherever they may live. But uh, bottom line is, too, on a selfish aspect of this, Randall, See the Hardy's bag. I, I would like to know what's in it. That's your egg biscuit, my man. That's what I'm talking about. That's... I was curious if you were going to pony up and bring us something. I know Matt's yeah, hungry. I'm betcha. hungry. You know, come on. Taking care of my guys. That's selfish. Dan, you're a fisherman, right? Big time. I love it. You ever been out on a boat fishing, caught a fish, and then had it go on the floor of the boat and thrash around? All the time. That's your blues goalie right now. Yeah, he's flopping a lot, isn't he? Yeah, that Missing is George Bennington. Back not... in the net. He, yeah. he, something's not right. Not great. He allows five goals on 27 shots faced, a couple of empty netters last night for a bad New Jersey team, and they take care of the Blues 7-4. to four. We talked, man, we asked David Perron about it. A lot of the players were asked about being bent mentally engaged yeah. for the first game back. Well, the Blues fall behind 2-0 on goals by P.K. Subban and uh, McLeod, and McLeod just skated through the Blues for their second goal. It's crazy. You know, they seem to have just, they were a click off on everything. Yeah, they I were. mean, it was passing. It was guys coming back in the defensive zone. The power play was non-existent. 
And uh, the focus this morning, I'm sure, for a lot of the fans and last night is the goaltender. Yep. And Jordan and- Pennington was not good. Randy, he's now 1-4 since the Minnesota uh, January 1st game. His goals against average is 5-2-6, and his save percentage is 8-59. And there's just no way to defend the play. Nope. It's not because he's getting hung out to dry. He's allowing a lot of bad goals. So it's 2 nothing. Devils last night, the Blues bounce back. Costin scoring 30 se- seconds after McLeod's goal. Then in the second period, Braden Chen ties it, and Justin Falk makes us feel pretty good. Falk with a shot! He scores! That puck went in! I think that puck went in, Joe! The referee's waving it off. There's it no hit off on. the post and the goaltender. I think it rolled across the goal line before the Devils player knocked the net off. After review, it was determined that the puck crossed the goal line. We had a goal. There we go. 3-2 St. Louis. 4.55 to go. And I believe it'll be Justin Falk that gets the goal. That's a good hockey goal. I thought when they scored, I was listening in my car at that point, coming home from uh, a young man's basketball mm-hmm. game, who, by the way, turns 13 today. That'd be my son and uh, also my daughter, twins. So happy birthday to those two. We'll be you celebrating can say their names weekend. on the air, Dave. Okay, Barrett and Olivia. Uh, they turned 13 today, so I have four now teenagers under my roof. God help me. Um, <laughs> so I thought when they scored that goal, I thought, okay. Yeah, I and, did I, and I went back and I, I taped the game, so I went back and was catching up as we got home. And I thought, man, they are so sluggish early on. I'm going to look for a positive here, Randall, if you're mm-hmm. ready. I thought the uh, fourth line was okay. I thought they were yeah. physical. Um, and I was listening to Doug Armstrong yesterday talk on our station here about how moving forward, he wanted to see a heavier game. How are mm-hmm. they going to compete with some of the big boys? So Tyler Bozak was a coach's decision scratch. Mm-hmm. Surprised me a bit yeah. coming out of the break. And I thought Kim Klost, uh, you know, Clem Costin with that goal, first time in over 30 games that he picked up one. I thought that was a positive. I thought Joshua played well, but that was about right. it. Yeah, and That it, was about it. It was somewhat of a positive when the Blues led 3-2 all the way until the midpoint of the third period when Sharon Govich gets one to tie it for New Jersey. That was at the 9.08 mark, and then at 11.34. Cleared out of the zone to Subban. Works it in on the right side. Fires it near wing. Shot on, and they've scored, and the Devils have made it 4-3. to three. He sure has given New Jersey the lead. 8.26 to go in the third period. And then they scored another goal to make it 5-3. Shen with an empty netter. They came back. Uh, they're not an empty netter, but a, a six-attacker goal. Jersey comes back with a couple of empty netters, and they win it 7-4. to four. And Craig Berube asked after the game about what happened. It was more puck composure at times. Uh, I thought the second period was really good. We were coming. I thought we took control of the game, you know, even after the first 10 minutes of the first um, I think, the, you know, in the third period, the game was under control until they tied it up, and I thought that we lost our our confidence there and just, we, you know, kind of fell apart. Had a couple power plays and, and nothing, nothing managing there. On a power play, puck management was a problem. Terrible, actually. Yeah. Power play looked awful. Really, the whole... <laughs> Like I said, they seem to be a click off. Passing, getting back in the defensive zone, the extra effort to get back. Uh, the power play was non-existent, and Bennington struggled. New Jersey, that, by the way, was only their seventh win on the road. Mm-hmm. Now, this week, they picked up two of the seven. 
So they've had five going into this week. Road wins. They're 24th in the league, and they just come to St. Louis and say, here you go after this long layoff. And uh, now you got Chicago coming in over the weekend, or you play Chicago over the weekend, and I think it's got to be Billy Huso. Now, yeah. maybe part of this, Randy, when I'm talking about guys in front of Bennington, it seems to me, and the coaching staff would know much better than us, but the team is playing better in front of Huso too. Now, yeah. part of that is maybe they feel that they can take some chances, that uh, they can push a little bit more because they feel the guy in, in between the pipes is going to save them. And I'm not saying that the team played well in front of Bennington because they didn't, but he's not playing well either. No, he's so been they, bad, bad. You got to figure it out. Yep. Colorado wins last night, so they have a 13-point lead over the Blues in the division, and they played the same amount of games. A 13-point lead for the Avalanche over the Blues. Minnesota has a two-point lead. They have three games in hand against the Blues, and Nicheville has played 47 games, two more than the Blues, and they're sitting at 60 points, and this will all hash itself out. As we mentioned, Billikens tonight host St. Bonaventure, 8 o'clock. We're going to talk to Travis Ford about that game later on. Mizzou will host Ole Miss tomorrow. Illinois will host Northwestern at 1 o'clock on Sunday. Great news last night for Dick Vermeil, elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And now that's the sixth St. Louis Ram. Mm-hmm. Tory Holt will be the seventh. Didn't happen last night. He's going to have to wait. And um, I don't, I know you tweeted about this, and I've talked to some people about this too, and I'm in a 100% agreement with you, Randy. You can't be penalized just because your team that you were on, which was the greatest show on turf, went to a couple of Super Bowls. Uh, they were a dominant two to three year stretch of some of the greatest offensive football ever. And now all of a sudden he's got to be on the outside looking in because you didn't win three or four Super Bowls or whatever the case may be with the voters. It's, you know, look at the individual numbers. Most receiving mm-hmm. yards, first five seasons. Youngest to reach 10,000 in uh, in his career. Young, uh, the fastest and the youngest. And also did that with 11,000 yards. And the list goes on. I mean, I can give a ton of accolades that you know. But I, I started looking at some of the guys that had to wait. Lynn, oh, yeah. Receivers Lynn, especially, right? Yeah. Lynn Swan had to go 14 times as a finalist. Mm-hmm. Chris Carter, six. Fred Malitnikoff, five. Uh, Marvin Harrison had to wait for three. So... He's going to have to wait, but he's going to get in. It'll be seven Rams that go to the uh, to the NFL Hall of Fame. But Dick Vermeil, congratulations to him, and he's number six. And Rob Manfred, the commissioner of baseball, spoke yesterday to the media. Uh, negotiating session scheduled for tomorrow. He did say that the sides have agreed upon the universal designated hitter. So we will have that in baseball. That's one thing we know once they start playing again. I don't like it, but I, I'm going to have to live with it. And then I went back and looked at the numbers in 21, Randy. All right, I'm going to ask you some questions here. Okay. You're, you're, yep. you're very good at this. Okay, what do you think the average was for pitchers in 2021? Batting I'm, average. I'm going to go with 108, Dan. Pretty good, 110. Okay. Okay. The percentage of times that they struck out. I'm going to say the pitchers struck out 80% of the time. 44%. Oh, so they... Not as bad as I thought, okay. No, but they had five times as many strikeouts as hits. Mm-hmm. So put it that way. I look at it this way, too. The game has changed so much. Starters don't hit. I mean, you might see a starter hit twice. Mm -hmm. And nobody bunts. Nobody sacrifices anymore. So might as well just bring the DH. It's something they agree upon and and move on. As much as I don't like it, I I grew to like it a little bit, though, in 2020 when they used it to kind of, you know, change the game. Uh And then I was like, okay, I'm seeing it now every day. I can live with this. But um, it's out. So we'll, for the first time since the 70s, have a uniform game in both leagues. And Rob Manfred also noted 
that it's really a rough go for owners of Major League Baseball teams. He said, these guys just could have bought stocks. They could have bought stocks and uh, they would make more money in the stock market than they would have had they bought a Major League Baseball team. That's essentially, to paraphrase what he said. And uh, if I was running marketing for Major League Baseball Mm -hmm. and I said, okay, Rob, we're going to have this press conference, I would not say that. Um, whether you believe it or not, fans <laughs> probably don't want to hear that. And there's there's also some numbers that would uh, back up the fact that what you're saying is probably not a great thing to yeah. say, especially with the values of your franchises skyrocketing. So the value is is really met when you decide to sell. Not mm-hmm. to say that everybody's going to sell. Um, the other thing that surprised me yesterday uh, was that well, first of all, I would have said, if, if I was asked about that, Randy, I would have mm-hmm. said, you know what? All our ownership groups, our investors, love the game, and they love their community, and they love the franchises. And that's all you need to say. That's all you have to say. That's all you have to say. He also gave the wrong answer on the uh, the competition uh, or competitive uh, balance tax. Mm-hmm. Didn't have the right answer. Right. So that, that was of note by the Players Association immediately when they came out. Um, and then Jeff Passan actually did uh, – he, he got a spokesman to – point out that yeah, Manfred was, had indeed misspoke. Right. And then I thought uh, it was interesting, though. He did say uh, Tony Clark and Bruce Myers, so those are the guys mm-hmm. kind of negotiating on the other side. He said, quote, uh, negotiations have been just a little contentious. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think we got that figured out, don't we? Yeah. So they're going to meet on Saturday. The, the owners say they have a very good proposal ready for the players. And, um, you know, this would be a time right now, Randy. I'd say if you had your 40-man roster available, go to Spring Training Jupiter. They're supposed to report technically on Monday. Mm-hmm. They weren't locked out. I would say you'd have at least 30 players in camp by tomorrow. They they may not get on the field, mm-hmm. but they're going to get their bags in. They're going to get the lockers ready and ready to roll on Monday. Get her done. Yeah. So Come on, he, Rob. I guess he. they talked about it would take like a week to ratify the deal if they agree to it. And then at that point, um, he also said he wanted to have, you know, minimum three and a half, four weeks of spring training. So time is a ticking, and that means you got about a week to get this thing figured out. Yeah. So and that's it. Hopefully they can. Lock in a room and get it done. We have a digital company here at Hubbard Radio. It's called 2060 Digital. And one of the main components of 2060 Digital, former promotions director for 101 ESPN, is a gentleman by the name of Scott Weiner, one of the great guys, one of the super nice guys in the world. And Scott Weiner, since I got here 13 years ago, has been a Cincinnati Bengals fan. He just walked past our window and pointed to his Bengals cap that he's wearing today. (laughs) I'm so happy for Scott and Bengals fans who lived through a lot like what we did with the last 15 years of the Rams here in St. Louis. And I'm rooting for those people because they have not had a championship. L.A. brags about how well the Lakers have won twice in the last decade and the Dodgers have won and the Kings have won twice in the last decade. They have a lot of championships. Cincinnati doesn't have a great recent history of winning. So that's one of the reasons, one of several, that I'm rooting hard for the Bengals on Sunday. I've got a weird uh, idea for you. Ready? Mm -hmm. Um, What if before all these teams moved and did all this stuff, what if the NFL said, we, we are so desperate to get back to L.A., why don't we make it, and and we don't think we're going to get great home support, and I was thinking, now advancing this story, two or three years, the Rams could be awful because they have no draft choices, top draft mm-hmm. choices, a lot of these guys are getting older, I mean, it could be bad, so their support mm-hmm. could be really bad. Why wouldn't you just have everybody chip in, make a magnificent stadium, which has been built, 
and say, we'll just make it a destination for road teams to come and see you. So instead of going to London and Mexico and all these different, let's go to L.A. Let's that would have been our, smart. Let's go to our country. Let, let's stay here yeah. make, and we'll build NFL films there. And, yes, the St. Louis Rams will go there one year and the Green Bay Packers are going to go there and play. And we'll, we'll put those two teams. But we'll make it a kind of a fun destination thing and make it a 45,000-seat stadium. But make it just a, a a real destination for people to go. For the Hollywood racetrack. Am I crazy? No. Uh, and I'll, I've got a little okay. tidbit for you. For the Hollywood Park land that SoFi Stadium sits on, the bids were sealed to purchase that land. The entity that Stan Kroenke outbid for said land was none other than the National Football League. Is that right? Yeah. Hmm. Okay, so, so maybe they, that was what they were thinking. Yeah, I think they were probably thinking of getting into the stadium business at that point. And they had given you know, this community. The, the last time, if I'm not mistaken, that California built a stadium was Dodger Stadium in 1962, mm-hmm. which is the same age I am. They haven't built the uh, publicly the financed built? stadium. I think, I think well, that was in the Staples. 50s. Yeah, yeah. And Staples wasn't publicly built. That was privately built by right. the guys, I, I think AIG, Anschutz Entertainment. Uh, so, point being, they were awarded the team that eventually wound up becoming the Houston Texans, but they couldn't get a stadium situation put together in six months. Right. And so it's not an area that lures people. And they say, who was it that we were talking? Uh, it was Eric Dickerson said, well, they'll build a fan base. They've got kids here. What the hell? We sold out every game once the Rams right. came here. Right. We, you know, our first six years, every game was a sellout. Right. And everybody was rooting for the Rams. We didn't have people saying, well, we're a Cardinal town because the Cardinals had left and people were still Cardinal fans. No, we, we did have Cardinal fans, but we were still filling up the dome with Rams fans. Yeah. Yeah. So they're just stupid in L.A. That's it, just, all. it just would have been, you know, just, Not it just everybody, shows. Just 90% of them. The Rams weren't desperate for L.A. It was L.A. desperate for NFL football and yeah. the NFL desperate to get back in L.A. Right. And Kroenke was desperate for L.A. Was, yeah. the, the Rams were, but the L.A. couldn't care less. Right. Exactly. That's Dan. I'm Randy. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Peak or pit on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Into the peaks or into the pit. Peaks and pits. Join in on the conversation with Character and Smallman now. Text 65780. This is 101 ESPN. All right, it is time for Peak and Pit on 101 ESPN. Danny Mac, Randy, and Matt Rocchio, and you, 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. Dan, do you want to start or do you want me to start? Sure, I can start with... Because uh, many times I will steal your material, and I don't want to do that. I don't think you're going to deal with this. Okay, good. Because this one's a little outside the box. Um, I gathered the fa- uh, family together last night. Woke them up out of bed, hmm. actually. It's my peak. Okay, good. And I said, kids, uh, this time last year, I know we all had problems sleeping. It was a struggle. Mm-hmm. Because we weren't sure where Aaron Rodgers was going to go. Oh, you know, yeah. it, it was just, uh-huh. we, we just, as a family, we came together. We had a, a I'm going to say a team dinner. And uh, it was brought up, Randy, at the dinner table, like, Dad, what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers? I said, guys, just relax. Just relax. Well, he won his fourth MVP yesterday. And uh, Aaron Rodgers said he's not going to take a long time with that decision. So I got to say, that's a, that's a peak for me. Thank I mean, goodness. I'll be able to, to go about my everyday life. Um, the kids, I think, are... Uh, 
they woke up this morning and said, Dad, I had a, one of the best nights of sleep I've ever had because I was able to go to bed understanding that we as a family can understand what he may do in a short amount of time. And, and th- that just put a smile on my face. Would I hope the, you understand yeah, that. I, I do. Would okay. the family be comforted by any destination just to know that he's... Oh, sure. Or, or is there a particular, like Tampa or Denver, is there one that would Titans. make... Yeah, would, would one of those make everybody sleep better? No, it was just the fact that Aaron Rodgers um, wouldn't be keeping people at bay and we'd be talking yeah. about it ad nauseum at the dinner yeah. table. That's a peak. It, it is. I so like that it. was my peak. I doubt you were going to do that one. No. Uh, my pit is the DH. I, mm-hmm. Even though, with all the uh, the reasons I gave as to why I can see it coming, and I'm okay with it, I guess. I don't know, man. My heart is still with watching the pitcher hit. So I grew up with National League style baseball for many, many years. Called National League style baseball. Called both. I prefer National League style baseball, even with guys that are hitting 110. Danny, my peak is that I woke up this morning for Heat Up St. Louis, and I've woken up many Valentine's mornings or Valentine's weekend mornings, and it's been zero degrees. And I've mm-hmm. had to really get dressed up. I mean, I had to get warm for this day. It was 46 degrees when I got up this morning. I was wearing great, a jacket. I'm wearing a hoodie. It, w- it was great. Did you pull the all-nighter that we talked about? I did not. No, okay. I was able to sleep. All right. Uh, and the Blues didn't hurt that at all. I wasn't wound up at all by the Blues game. Okay. So that was my peak, having it be 46 degrees. Uh, my pit, Dan, and uh, our management here at Hubbard Radio. At, uh, be Hubbard careful Radio where you go with the pit on the, the management best. here, Randy. But my, my pit is that uh, my computer, many times, the one that's in front of me, says, mm-hmm. you've just experienced an error. We will have to shut down and restart the computer. It happens all the time. And, uh, so You're frustrated. A little bit uh, during the next commercial break. I'm going to have to get my company-issued laptop out of my backpack and utilize that rather than the one, the computer that frustrates me. I should have done this. This is why they've given me a company-issued laptop so that I don't have to deal with the frustration of the, the desktop that sits in front of me. But I'm too lazy, Dan, to put that laptop up. So that's my my pit of the week is that uh, this computer continues to frustrate me. You see what I bring in? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's perfect. Yeah, you got a little uh, tablet there. It's yeah. great. Smart. All right, Matthew, what you got for us? Peak of the week, Dick Vermeil. Pit of the week, uninformed, self-serving diva Hall of Fame voters in the MLB and NFL. The <laughs> vote should not be their personal playground. Well, I love the peak. DV going in. So the sixth St. Louis Ram. I think we all just need to take a, a deep breath. If you're really invested into the Tory Holt, whether or not he gets into the uh, NFL Hall of Fame, it, it will happen. It's just he's going to have to wait. I don't like it. I'm with Randy. Um, I think he's a uh, a byproduct on a negative way of uh, or negative look at it. And the fact is so many of these guys from the greatest show on turf are in and people are going to hold off and, and hold it against him. And it shouldn't be that way. The reality of the situation is when we see Coach Vermeil, when we talk to Coach Vermeil, he sounds and looks my age. He's 85. Six, I think. 86. So, yeah. He's 86. So, I'm glad, really, 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 really glad that coach is going in. Boy, can you imagine when he goes in, Randy, how many people oh. that are going to be there for him? Because he's such, not only was he impactful as a coach, but as we talked with him the other day, he's still calling guys. How yep. you doing? How's your family? How's your wife? How are the kids? 
and as sharp as a tack. So you got to go back to all the days, even in college, you know, when he's coaching college, right. the people that he impacted, and then the Eagles, and then all the broadcasting. So then he's meeting all these different people, right. and you know how gregarious he is mm-hmm. in a great way. And then he's with the Rams, and then to Kansas City, and he just knows everybody, Martin and Kil- they all love yeah, him. Martin Kilcoin tweeted last night that Marshall Falk told him they might have to have a second ceremony for all the people that <laughs> love really? Dick Vermeil. Yeah, I didn't see that. That's great. Peak, I get to watch the Blues again on Saturday with Huso in the net. Pit, the Blues performance last night. Well, the Pit for sure was the Blues performance last night, and I would have to think it would be shocking oh. if you saw Jordan Bennington between the pipes coming up. Yeah. I, I think they need him, but... The other guy has just played flat out better. But Dan, could it be? Blues have played so much hockey. Maybe they were just worn out. Yeah, a lot of pond hockey during the break. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I, isn't it interesting how when you're good or when you're bad, but you, you get have a layoff? Really doesn't matter what you do for a living. It, it happens in radio. If you're out for a while, you can come back and not be fully mentally engaged. Think you are. But not be as sharp as you believe you are. I said this, though, a couple times to you yesterday. We shouldn't be surprised by the first 10 minutes of that first period of the Blues. You're right. That's how they've been all year. Yeah. All year. They have not played well and come out of the gates and ready to play. And if there's ever a time to be ready to go is when you have a layoff. And I said yesterday, I bet they come out shooting like a cannon. I couldn't have been more wrong. So I'm getting ready. (laughs) I'm watching the game last night. And... Our friend Joe Buck is sitting at the NFL Honors Awards show with his phone, keeping an eye on the Blues. And so he, from his seat, he texts, can they ever just take a lead? Yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, he, uh, so w- once they scored, I didn't know that where he was or what he was doing. And uh, then finally I texted back, what did you think of that Costin goal? He said, uh, can't watch in L.A. at the Honors. Oh, well. <laughs> but he's keeping an eye on the Blues. Yeah, well, you got to. Yeah. Kim Clem Costin was a uh, bright spot for me last night. But yes, let's Not uh, many. let's take a lead at some point. Yes. And my dad, Peak, my dad had, had successful heart surgery yesterday. Pitt, unfortunately, he's supposed to be in the hospital during the Super Bowl. Yeah, that happens. Well, as long as, as he doesn't have a vested interest in like the ramp angles, keep the heart rate nice and normal. Don't get too excited. Yeah. Dan, we talked the other day, and I don't want to go overboard here about my heart surgery and what I tried to do was set goals tried to have objectives and you remember in 2011 uh, Alan Craig had been hurt had knee surgery at the end of the end of the year and I think he was hurt for the NLCS that was 13 what what was his injury in 2012 at, at the end of 2011 no yeah he got hurt in 2011 2012 is when I had my surgery because okay I, I wanted to beat him back that was my goal. Was He was oh, okay. supposed to be back by June, and I wanted to be back before him. Well, yeah, and I, that, I did. I beat him back. Remember he hurt his knee on the, the catch in right field along the right field line in Houston? Houston, right. And yeah. that was the year. Okay. Right. And so I, I did. he wound up coming back much later. Uh, but I, I missed 17 work days. So set an objective. Set a goal to get out of the hospital and do something. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. Coming up next, we're going to talk some golf with Jay Delsing. The Waste Management's open this weekend in Scottsdale. We'll talk that next. Dan, Randy on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
Danny Mac, Randy Carricker with you, and we go to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. Jay Delsing is standing by, former PGA Tour golfer. Jay, good morning. How you doing? Good morning, guys. I'm over the blues. we got to talk about golf, yeah, man. That was a tough one last night. Yeah, it was. Hey, I, I'm, I'm watching a video right now of Xander Shoffley yesterday at the Waste Management Open trying to move, he did move, a piece of cactus out of the way and plugged himself with a bunch of cactus needles in the hand. Oh, yeah, that's happened before, Randy. I used to, when we used to play Tucson and uh, Phoenix open back-to-back, I would designate a, a desert club. So every time I hit it in the desert, which some years was pretty regularly, <laughs> I didn't want to. I didn't want to bark up my whole set. So I just take my six iron and I just hit it every time I hit it out of the desert. So these guys are, are dealing with crowds that are, uh, well, let's just say, ah, they're inebriated a little bit. You know, they, they these these folks get out there. It's not like the normal golf clap, and you know, it's it's uh, you know a lot of beer, a lot of wine, a lot of drinking, a lot of fun for these guys, and they let it rip. That's what these fans do. Would players prefer that, Jay, or is it just kind of an offshoot and they know what to expect and they say, ah, it's just one tournament, we can live with it, it's fun. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's kind of a grab bag, Danny. I think back in the day when David Duvall was really playing well, he got really pissed and decided he was never going to play Phoenix again, you know. And then you get other guys that that really. I, I mean, I think it was really fun. We have what forty six tournaments every year, and it's it's fun to let uh, these guys. You know, I, I, I don't know when, when the way you guys grew up, but I grew up playing a lot of golf and. There was not that much etiquette when I played with my friends. You know, there was a lot, of and a lot of chirping going on. You know, you're going to hook this, you're going to shank this. <laughs> and uh, so when I when I got to the 16th, it it, it wasn't that bad. I, I actually really like it. I mean, if you think about it, where else do you have to be quiet outside? Right. You know what I mean, it's just weird. You know what I always like to do is stand behind somebody when they're taking a tee shot over water and betting that they won't hit it into the water so that they can hear you. I bet he doesn't hit it into the water. uh, There's no way he hits it into the water. (laughs) And you don't mention that he's going to hit it over the water or anything like that. You just get water into his head. Oh, and the ball finds it every time. Every time. (laughs) It's just amazing. The ball just knows right where to not go. You know, Jay, do, do guys do that on tour? And I'm serious. I mean, there are times... When somebody could be, let's say, not in the top twenty, right? So you're you're one of the the pairings that may not be seen on TV a bunch. Do guys get after each other? And I, I, I maybe some friendly wagers, but maybe some you know poop talking, that kind of thing, uh, for lack of a better oh, yeah. term. Okay, so that oh, happens yeah, on tour. Well, the problem nowadays it happened much more in, in our generation. Like I can tell you, when I first got on tour, and we'd be standing over on a par three. And as a rookie, you didn't know the golf courses like some of these veterans. And I was playing with guys like Bobby Watkins and uh, JC Sneed and Leonard Thompson, John Mahaffey, some crusty guys. And there was so much gamesmanship because they would take, you know, two extra clubs and hit this little soft shot over the water. Cause they knew what they were doing. And they'd go back to the kid and go, man, I busted that. I hit it as hard as I could. <laughs> you know, you stand there going, wow, man, I don't know. But you, you know, and, and then um, there's always somebody though, that would pull the plug on those guys where you're sitting in the lunchroom 
and one of the older guys that wasn't, you know, buying into it would come up and tell you, boy, I hope you didn't listen to what Leonard said after he hit on the par threes today. You know, and you look up and you're like, man, there's a lot going on out here that I had no idea about. Do you think Scottsdale, because of the 16th, lends itself to a little more of that? Do guys loosen up because they're at this tournament? Oh, Randy, for sure. I mean, we had caddy races. Do you remember back in the day? <laughs> I remember that, we yeah. We had caddy races on 17 until somebody blew out an ankle, but... um yeah, I mean, it's just so much fun. It is so rowdy. And I did some entertaining one year there with a, a group that hired me, and we went, and I set up this whole system on how we were going to bet on each group that came in. And we'd have it was only a dollar, but we had it accumulate over a couple of days. And, man, on the third day be, before someone had won, you know, so you'd, you'd pick up the pairing sheet, and they'd be listed as three guys coming in on, on – um, well, actually, because it's on the West Coast, we play threesomes the entire week. So the players right off the tee sheet would be numbers one, two, and three, and you could bet on number one, two, and three. And if they made a birdie, you got thrown into the pot. I had this whole thing figured out. At the end of the day, Matt Kuchar came, made a birdie, and some guy made like six hundred and fifty bucks. It was we were well, we had we were drinking just a little bit, <laughs> and it was really really fun. It, it, it was a blast. Are those tickets hard to get on 16? Like, is that already accounted for, for, you know? Two years, period. That's what I mean. It's like a season ticket holder type thing? Yeah, they're, they're two years, two-year waiting list. I wow. had someone call this year and see if I could help them. And there was a two-year waiting list. But, uh, you guys, it's the most fun hole in golf. It's a short par three. I happened to make a hole-in-one there back in 1990-something. And I never had cheering like that before in my <laughs> life. It was absolutely That's awesome. thrilling. That's yeah, great. it was the greatest. We will hear from you on Super Bowl Sunday morning. What kind of a show do you have set up for us? I've got Maria Palazzola uh, on the show. This great. Week. She is No, I thought, long... AJ, I thought you had Slugger White this weekend. Oh, hell, you're right, Danny. What and then Maria is the following weekend. Yeah, somebody help me. Dan- Danny, who do I have on this weekend? You got Slugger White, who is, is great. If, for people that don't know, tell us who he is. Slugger White was a rules official. <laughs> you need to get somebody else that knows more about my show than I do. <laughs> Slugger White's been an official for 40 years on the PGA Tour. He just retired. And so we told a bunch of stories about the old days. But he is also the lead official for this new Saudi-backed uh, tour that Greg Norman has recruited him to come in and handle the rules uh, with. So um, very interesting guy. Southern, talks slow, got some great stories. His first ruling, he used to play on the PGA Tour, guys, but his first ruling as he became official was with Jack Nicklaus. And Jack looked at him and said, are you sure about this? And he said, I'm positive. And he got back in his car and he goes, man, I'm nervous giving Jack Nicklaus <laughs> I, I think that's fascinating what's going on with – and to have him on your show, but to – look at what's going on with that potential league and the money that's getting paid out and the fact that they're trying to do this just to take on aspects of the PGA Tour. I, I, think, I don't know, man. I think it's fascinating, and I think it's got some legs. Well, it really is. I mean, the, the amount of money that they're throwing around. I exactly. Mean, you hear what Dustin Johnson said. So Ian Poulter, who's 46 years old, you guys, was reportedly offered between 20 and $30 million to join this tour. And Dustin Johnson was given an interview over in Saudi Arabia before the tournament started, and they said, did you have a similar offer, you know, in a similar discussion? He said, well, I had a discussion, but the offer wasn't similar, meaning 
Dustin Johnson got offered a hell of a lot more money than $30 million to join this tour. Wow. Amazing. Wow. Crazy. We'll be tuned in on Sunday morning and have a great show. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it, and we'll talk to you soon. Love to listen, guys. Keep doing it. Thanks, Thanks. Jace. Jay Delsing, one of the best with us on 101 ESPN. So I knew the the guest list because we had lunch the other day, mm-hmm. and so we were talking about it, and I said, hey, who do, you, who do you have this weekend? He said, oh, I got Slugger White, and I said, how do I know that name? And he started telling me, and the stories – and I hope he gets into it on the show, but the stories, Randy, of Jay's a great storyteller, too, when mm-hmm. he gets going, but of rulings in golf. There are so many weird, like, little intricacies. Like, you and I love to play golf. And if we sat there and said, okay, Randy, we're going to play 18, and we're going to play the ball down. There's no winner rule. I mean, we're we're doing this thing like a PGA. It's crazy, the rules that are out there. He was talking about how when he first got on tour – Guys tried to intimidate him with the caddies, like walking through his line. Oh, Could wow. you imagine doing stuff like something? that? No. Yeah. So he talked about playing with Hale Irwin and different guys that we were talking about. But the the Slugger White thing is really interesting. I'm I'm fascinated because I'm a rules guy. I, I love the baseball rules, like yeah. getting into the intricacies of that. But there are a million of them in golf that probably you think you know the game and you really don't. It's crazy. That's Dan. I'm Randy. Matt Rocchio is here. And coming up, we've got Take It or Leave It. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Tioli, coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Take it or leave it. Give us your feedback now by texting 65780. It's Take It or Leave It with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Powered by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. Take it or leave it on 101 ESPN. Dan, Randy, and Matt, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Dan, on Sunday, during the Texas A&M women's basketball game, their coach, Sidney Carter, wore tight-fitting pink vinyl pants and a tight-fitting sweater and very high heels. And some people took to social media to say that it wasn't appropriate. Uh, One person said that... uh, It was unprofessional and made remarks that she shouldn't wear that if she, quote, wants to be respected. Take it or leave it. It's fine whatever a college basketball coach wants to wear in 2022. Uh, First of all, in her situation, it was fine. It's fine. I don't care. Now, if you're asking me, should people be going out in, uh, should Rick Pitino be showing up in a uh, Speedo? Uh, should they be well, wearing? Well, no, I'm, that's not where I'm going. No, I'm yeah, just exactly. saying. If you if if you want to wear casual clothes that you would wear out to dinner, it's fine. You're fine. Here's the bottom line: If I really supported the program, um, are you winning? That's okay, the most great. important thing. All right, great. Are kids graduating? They're going to school, yeah. being good citizens. Great. I don't care what you're wearing. I'm be with a coach. You. Be a leader. All right, take it or leave it. I know a lot of people are probably going to jump in on this. I'm going to take it a different way, where people. Maybe the listeners will say, well, with the DH, uh, will Adam Wainwright ever get a plate appearance again? That's a take it or leave it in itself. I'm going to take it a little bit further because my answer to that question is, I bet he does. So it may not happen till the end of the year, okay, where they – let's say he says it's my final year, and he goes to Ollie and he says, I want one more plate appearance. Mm-hmm. He'll get that plate appearance. 
But also, we have these crazy games, and if there's not the runner starting at second, you could have these long extra inning games. You're out of position players. Who's the guy you're going to call upon? If he's not pitching, probably Adam Wainwright. Mm-hmm. If you needed to get a bunt down, I would probably look at Adam Wainwright. Best bunter on your team. He might be. So I do think he'll get more plate appearances. Now, the question is, take it or leave it. He's got 453 plate appearances. His career average is 194. Take it or leave it. Will Adam Wainwright get to 460? I'm going to leave that. Okay. I'm going to leave that. So you just think uh, maybe two or three plate appearances. He'll get a token plate appearance. Okay. But... I would guess that the people who are in charge of the way the Cardinals play the game on a day-to-day basis probably are not inclined to enjoy the idea of Adam Wainwright stepping to the plate. You know, the interesting thing, too, Randy, is that I know a lot of people in our audience, I think the younger generation of baseball fans says, hey, bring in the DH. Older generation that grew up like myself and you with uh, non-DH, we prefer maybe National League style of baseball. We all have opinions, but from a Cardinals perspective, I believe it was three pitchers last year got hurt hitting. Flaherty being one of them. Carlos Martinez. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's somebody else. And then a couple of years ago, obviously, you lost Wainwright for the year running down the line at Milwaukee right. with, a, with a blown out Achilles. Yeah. So, you know, maybe you limit some in- uh, injuries here. It's not a bad thing. But I do think, and I think people would like to go behind the curtain here and think about Dan's philosophy when you are broadcasting a game. And you're you're broadcasting with the thought of what's the manager thinking. Yes, that's how I try to do it. And so without the pitcher hitting, that changes the way you think about two innings down the road. Do you like the idea of, okay, let's you, you lose the DH when you take out the starter, which is being, being mm-hmm. used in the minor leagues or independent baseball has done that. So it's a different look at how you do it. it, it there, so there is some... Uh, strategy involved with, okay, do I want to lose my DH? If I take this guy out, he's coming up. I I don't know. I think it's something to think about. I don't think it makes any difference because even if a starter, and you mentioned this earlier, if a starter goes four, you're going to pinch it for him the rest of the day anyway. Probably. The way the game is played, I mean, guys are averaging fives, maybe six innings, Wainwright being an outlier. But generally speaking, it's two times through a lineup and you're out. There it is. Matthew, what do we have on the text line? Take it or leave it. Blues mortgage the farm to win a cup this year. Leave it. That's not their mo. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take it. I'm gonna take it. I think that you could feel comfortable giving up maybe one of these young kids to go out and get yourself somebody that you like. Um, so he's talking specifically about the farm. Now I understand if you add this player, there's going to have to be an exchange of. Contract X for contract Y to stay under the cap. I get that, too. I think they could do it. But I, it was interesting. Doug Armstrong said yesterday, and to, this is to your mm-hmm. point, Randy, as to why you don't do it, is that he said the emergence of Cairo and Thomas this year is, and I'm paraphrasing here, but his point was he's extended our window. It's opened mm-hmm. our window a little bit more for winning. These guys have taken their game to another level or two, maybe more than they anticipated. So, and being players that they are, that they didn't maybe anticipate, thought they were good. Now they're even better than good. Maybe that's given us more time to win with what we have. If you are going to give up a number one and a prospect to get a player, if you're the Blues, you're also going to have to give up a number two for somebody to take a Scandella contract off yes. your hands. Yes, that's right. So I, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of with you. I'm, I'm both.
I'm hit and miss. Stay with the Blues, take it or leave it. Huso plays the majority of the games the rest of the season. I'll take it. I'm going to take that, especially after what we saw last night. Recency bias, I have to go with that. Yep. Take it or leave it. The Blues don't have a goalie controversy, just a p- problem with the defense. I'm going to leave that. I'm going to leave that. I think a lot of people, I don't even know it's going to be a controversy anymore after you know what Billy Huso does and has done. I, I think it's kind of becoming clear cut. He's got to play. He's playing better this year. Yes. And there's, it's not even close. It would be different if it was close. But the way that Bennington has performed over the course of the last half dozen games, you just can't play him. Right. He can't be your number one, let me put it that way. Take it or leave it. Oh, I like this. With adding uh, Simmons, the Nets are now the favorites to win the NBA title. I'm not going to say that. title. They, I, still the think, I still think Milwaukee is the team to beat in the East. Absolutely. Nobody ever talks about Milwaukee, and they're great. They're the defending champs. But I do like the trade, and I would say that Brooklyn, whether they had Harden or made this trade, if they were healthy, was the best of the rest. But if they don't have Kyrie Irving playing home games, they aren't going to win. I think New York's about to change. I know the state did, but I I don't know what the city is. So if the city changes it, that completely changes the entire perception of the Nets. Well, we talked about that yesterday. He, if he can play home games, they're a different team. Yeah. Totally different team. In terms of the favorite to win the league, I still think Phoenix, Milwaukee, and Golden State, I would place all ahead of Brooklyn. By the way, and I know we don't talk a lot of NBA, but uh, I watch it here and there. Kyrie Irving is ridiculous. He is so good to be able to take take the time that he takes off when they're on a homestand and then they go on the road and it's like he hasn't missed a beat. How hard that is to do at that level. Holy cow. Amazing. He's, he's, he has the greatest handles I've ever seen. It's ridiculous. It's, it's preposterous. And uh, take it or leave it, uh, Miami owners could have saved the money and kept Adam Gase to keep losing games. <laughs> yeah, I'll take that. Sure. Take it and get the high pick. <laughs> but honestly, might, honestly, might yeah. have been more obvious than, you know, telling Brian Flores himself, you know, please lose games for me. Yeah. <laughs> Why but are they keeping this guy? <laughs> here's the thing. You hire Mike McDaniel who runs the same offense that Kyle Shanahan runs, who runs the same offense that Matt LaFleur runs. I believe with their draft capital and the player capital that they have and the defense that they have and the young receivers that they have, that the Miami Dolphins make the move for Aaron Rodgers. I think that's the play. I think uh, Aaron Rodgers goes nowhere. Nowhere. We'll see. Well... Let, let's think. So you had to give up two number ones for Stafford, right? Yeah. So Aaron Rodgers is going to cost you more than that. Two number ones and a and Jerry league, and a league average starting quarterback. So you, you but also a cap issue. True. But the point is, which I think you can get around. You can figure it out. Okay. If you really wanted him, you're Tennessee. You want to go at him and and go get him, and you feel like this is the guy that you're going to go all in to go get yourself Aaron Rodgers. But if I'm the Packers, I still, again, this year, hold all the cards. And I say, we're not trading him. It's that simple. You want to play? It's going to be right here. He And by the way, if he's saying that I'm going to play or I want to win a championship, his best place may be where he's at. If they can keep Devontae. Devontae Adams, yeah. That's the key. Yeah. But I think if Rodgers stays, Devontae stays. They've got their $40 million over the cap. Figure They'll figure that one out. You okay. keep him. We'll see. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Randy. And coming up next, did Rob Manfred misspeak more than once yesterday in his press conference? That's next on 101 ESPN.
We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. A fresh perspective on the day's biggest stories. It's Character and Smallman's Fresh Take. Brought to you by the Schnooks Rewards app. Check out Good For You, a free wellness program available in the app today. I am an optimist, and I believe we will have an agreement in time to play our regular schedule. If, if I hadn't um, given consideration uh, to what it would mean to miss games, I wouldn't be doing my job. Obviously, I pay attention to that. I, I see missing games as a disastrous outcome for, the, for this industry. And we're committed to making an agreement in an effort to avoid that. That is Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred speaking to the media yesterday. Today's Fresh Take at 8.06 on 101 ESPN. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And there has been some progress made, Dan, yesterday. Rob Manfred saying that there will be the universal designated hitter. So the DH is coming in. Uh, that's easy to kind of come up with. I mean, you and I have been talking about this for, well, tomorrow will be day number 73 of the lockout. And I said, well, the easiest thing that they can do is everybody want to DH? Yeah. Okay, that's done. Let's do now it. That, let's move on to the core economic issues. Um, I, <laughs> As weird as it sounds, I'm happy to hear him say that missing games would be disastrous. I personally agree with that. I and, do too. And I... I tell you why. I, I think um, you can't miss regular season games, Randy. And, I, and I've had people say to me, well, what's the big deal? In April, kids are still in school. All these cold weather cities aren't going to draw well. You're, you're mid, you know, Minnesota, Chicago, maybe even St. Louis. You got some cold days. I think we had one of the coldest days ever last year when Colorado, of all teams, was in town and it was cold here in St. Louis. I remember just freezing. But that's not the point. Even if you have reduced crowds and they don't come out and you don't have 40,000 people, it is the idea of having a full season of a true 162 games. And in my opinion, that is very important. You don't want to have anything disrupt your regular season, in my opinion. And and now they, they could play 154, 144, whatever, and we're three months into it and we move on. I get it. But I don't think it's the right thing. You want to have a true 162. Now, one are you thing, with me on that? A hundred percent. Yeah, no doubt about it. One thing the players have done is they have hired a negotiator in Bruce Meyer who doesn't care if they play a full 162. He says that his job is to be a thorn in the side of the owners. He won't use the word obstructionist. I will. He's an obstructionist. He doesn't want the season to be as long as it can if he doesn't have exactly the deal he wants. You're talking about and the owners, the negotiator for the owners. No, this is Bruce Meyer for the players. Because I'm going to disagree with you. Because if I'm a player, I'm telling him, I want my 162, bro. Well, I want my 162 and I want my money. Right? I, get, because I get paid. What, what reason would there be for players with the biggest amount of money that they're going to get coming from expanded playoffs? Why would anybody be against if you're a player expanded playoffs? Because you don't care about money? Well, so players would get some of that expanded playoffs is big for owners. That's big because of television revenue and and whatnot that goes into the sport. But players start collecting when they step on the field in opening day and you start missing checks. And for some of these guys, they're significant. Mm -hmm. You don't want that. 
If I'm a player, I'm going to my guy and saying, look, get the best deal you can, but we want to play 162. Now, here is Rob Manfred talking about expanding the playoffs. We'd like to expand the playoffs, which is good for players and for clubs. Um, It's also good for our fans, the vast majority of whom enjoy playoff baseball. We think the new format will encourage more clubs to compete while giving more players the opportunity to participate in the postseason. In total, the proposals we've made would move the agreement decidedly in the players' direction. Interesting. Um, I do like the fact that it, it's maybe one of the first times I've heard it's good for our fans. Yeah, from, that from doesn't it, happen very often. Over the last 72 days, I haven't heard a lot about that. heard a lot about money, core economic issues, um, trying to get the best deal for the ownership side, the player side, which I get. How about the best deal for the fans? How about mm-hmm. let's let's do the best thing for the sport? And by the way, ultimately, you listening right now that watch, listen, go to a game, you are the sport. Yeah. The fans mm-hmm. are the sport. Players come and go. I, I, I say this all the time, and I don't mean it disrespectfully. They're the best in the world at what they do, but they come and go. The fans do not. And they, if they decide not to show up, revenues drop. Right. And that's a big, big point. They come and they go, Hobbs. They come and they go. That's true. Yeah. Now, Dan, I hate pl- saying yeah. that too because yeah. some of these guys are the people I adored as a kid. Right. The players, by the way, here's the way that at the moment, before this new CBA comes into being, how players were paid from the postseason before. The players' pool formed from 50% of the gate receipts from the wild card games, 60%, now this is gate receipts from the first three games of the division series, 60% of the gate receipts from the first four games of the LCS, and 60% of the gate receipts from the first four games of the World Series. Says nothing about television revenue. Right. And that's <laughs> where... TV money? Right. That's where there needs to be a negotiation. But I, I still don't see how the industry making less money can benefit players. Um, I, I'm with you on that. And I, I actually really liked the 2020 postseason when it was expanded. Yeah, I thought it was cool. I, I I did. You know, that first day had a little bit of a feel of the first couple of days of the NCAA tournament. If you're a basketball fan, you think about sticking around, you know, from like 11 o'clock in the morning and you're watching games until 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. That's what I did with the baseball postseason of 2020, Randy. Was great. You know, they were on the air at like 11 or 12, and then it was a game at 3, then it was a game at 6, and then a West Coast game starting at like 8 or 9 or something like that. I liked it. I think it's good. Um, But let's do what's best for the sport, which is getting on the field one way or another. I, I, I just wonder if both are just taking this thing down to the final minute, the final second, and doing what we both have said from the get-go, which is understanding what has happened in our world the last couple of years, understanding where our sport has been with no fans two years ago, limited attendance last year. Hey, we got to get back on the field. And you're going to be the focal point on Monday in a lot of ways for sports fans that love football and baseball and football's over. Now they're really turning their attention to what should be spring training. One last comment then from Rob Manfred. With respect to labor, let let, let me start with the most important point. Um, The clubs, our owners fully understand um, how important it is to our fans that we get the game on the field as soon as possible. Um, We want to reach a fair agreement with the Players Association and we want to do that quickly. 
Um, we have listened carefully throughout this negotiation and we have moved towards the players on key areas in an effort to address their concerns. Hmm. Well, uh, again, it's going to be some of the back and forth that you hear about unless he gets into specifics of what he's talking about and can explain it to an idiot like me that doesn't understand the total core economics and going into the weeds of all this stuff, nor do I care. Mm -hmm. um, if you, I, I, I go back to this, Randy, like we just talked about. I think the, the leverage for the owners really, in a way, is taking this down to the final yeah. second and then saying, okay. And by the way, I, I've also heard that both sides are in agreement that they want to have three and a half, four weeks of spring training. Yeah. And it's important for both sides for various reasons. But that means then you got to take this thing down to the next couple, our next few days. Because to ratify an agreement, so you may say, yeah, we have an agreement to, to ratify it, though. It's going to take about a week. Right. So come to an agreement tomorrow. Yes. When you meet tomorrow. By the way, you, you could have, Randy, almost 500 to 600 free agents when you talk yeah, about right. even some of the minor league guys. In addition to... Your big name guys that you always hear yeah. about, but there's a ton of guys out there. It's going to be crazy once they come back. Unbelievable. That's today's Fresh Take on 101 ESPN. Coming up, Joe Vitale joins Dan and Randy on Character and Smallman Minus Smallman with Danny Mack on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. We're talking blues hockey. It's the Joey Vitale Report on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by the Electrical Connection. When you need quality electrical work for your home or business, visit electricalconnection.org. Let's go to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line and our friend blues analyst, Joe Vitale joins us on 101 ESPN. Good morning, sir. How you doing? Randy, what's going on? Hey, I, I got a question for you. I'm doing well, you. too, Joey. Oh, hey, what's going on? Who else is there? I'm sorry. This it's, is Dan. It's Danny yeah. Mack. Yeah, I'm oh, filling I'm in for Michelle. I'm sorry. I thought, I thought Randy was going solo no today. Problem. No problem. Danny Mack, I'm sorry. No Danny, problem. Danny, how you doing today, I'm buddy? doing great, Joey. Yourself? I'm doing very well. Thanks awesome. for asking. Awesome. So, the Super Bowl is going to be played Sunday in L.A. It's been hot. It's been like the hottest time ever uh, in California, and it's mid-February. So, Joey, why is it that it's so hot in Southern California right now? Oh, man. You came out of the gates hot with this one, Randy. Uh, well, I figured you were, you were curious and probably knew. <laughs> yeah. You know, honestly, uh, I don't know much about I don't know much about California other than the fact that I, I'm glad I don't live there right now. <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm proud to be a St. Louisan for for many reasons. Um, but yeah, listen, I I I can feel for those football players, man. I I played football at CBC, and, and the heat's one thing, but being under that equipment and and getting hit the way the way those guys do that's that's going to be tough. We we had Bob. Remember, remember Randy? I'm sure you remember Danny Mac. You remember Bob Sheenan? Bob yeah. Sheenan was oh, our yeah. coach. I was going to ask if you played for him. Oh, exactly right. Yeah, Bobby Cox. You're right. He always would say. Uh, he always would uh, when guys were soft. Listen, uh, Bob Shannon. He, he was a character and a half. So listen, he came from East St. Louis. Okay, you, you know you know where I'm going with this. He came from East St. Louis, where he had some tough kids. Man, I mean some tough kids. The Bobby Cox types, right? He comes to CBC, and listen, I I went to CBC. I'm a privileged white boy. I, I totally, I totally get it, right? <laughs> and he, he steps on the scenes at CBC, and man, he had his work cut out for him. He he was not prepared. 
for, for the type of kids uh, that, that CBC had. And he worked, and he tried, and he pushed. But it was so hot, uh, bringing back the heat to this. We, the old CBC on Clayton, we'd have to actually take cars and buses to go to Forest Park. That's where we practiced. And we had some days where it was 100 degrees outside. Ray Barr, he was our dean at the time. He was a tough old guy, too. Uh, you know, a lot of parents were complaining because it was like 110 heating index, 120. And Bob Shannon, he just had us keep practicing. Guys are dropping like flies. And eventually, Ray Barr, our dean, had to come out of Forest Park and shut practice down. But Bob Shannon, was he was hilarious. He's like, well, I miss a tackle. He's like, oh, come on, Joe. Bobby Cox misses our tackle. I'm like, well, Bobby Cox is going to be probably the Hall of Fame one day. Like, you just won a Super Bowl with us. New England Patriots, like, but everything had to be his way, right? Uh, but Bobby was a good man. And it, whenever I think of heat, I think of football. I think back to those uh, those old days where Bob Shannon just came on the scenes, and and it was a rude awakening. It was one thing about Bobby Shannon, uh, like Craig Berube, uh, he was very honest. He was very direct. Uh, leave your feelings in your in your vehicle because when you step on the football field with him, it was his way or the highway, and it's either you're in or you're in his way. Did your hockey background and the the necessity to work and get up early and be so invested in hockey, did that benefit you in getting through those practices? Absolutely. I mean, the biggest thing I took away, um, and I ended up becoming his starting linebacker as a sophomore, and, and, and I didn't never play football until I was a freshman. So I, I caught on really quickly, and and I remember at the time, you know, I don't know how it's changed now, but at the time, bench press was everything in football. Everyone was just pushing bench press, bench press, using your hands. It's all chest weight, right? But because of hockey, I played hockey my whole life. I mean, I got these big tree trunk legs. I wasn't able to bench a lot, but I could squat a lot. I could get really low on my squats, and I could push a lot of weight. So I would, I would push a lot of weight, and, and that and that kind of became the new trend. When, when Bob was there, it was, we were pushing more, more lower body stuff and things like that. You know, I think the biggest thing um, – in football as well, when you're a middle linebacker, everything's just you're reading body language. And hockey, hockey is you're always keeping an eye on the hips, right? And the same thing was for football. You know, with football, I always tell kids, and this is something that Bob Sheen has taught me, this is something I picked up earlier in hockey. In football, at, at first you're playing, you're watching the ball, then you're watching his shoulders, then you're watching his head fakes, and, and you get so mesmerized by the upper body. But Bob Shannon uh, would teach me, just like they teach you with hockey, young kids, uh, when you're playing defense in hockey, Keep an eye on the hips. The player cannot go anywhere without his hips. His hips will tell you everything. I always say it's like the Shakira song. You know, the hips don't lie. The hips will tell you the direction of the player. You know, Connor McDavid, he'll do the pump face. He'll shampoo left. He'll go right, right? But his hips can only go a certain way. So always keep an eye on that midsection. And football is the same way for running backs. They would always do those things with the legs and the, and the spin moves and the head fakes and the shampoo here. And but believe it or not, if you just keep an eye on those hips, that, that was kind of everything. So, uh, I endeared myself to Bob pretty well uh, because of, of the hockey, the gruesomeness of hockey, the training, the getting up early, the staying late, and uh, the fact that I could squat a lot. And, and I, and I kind of learned it in hockey that you just you can't have feelings. And I think that he appreciated that because, uh, as we know, uh, there's one thing that uh, my wife told me a couple weeks ago as, we're, as we you know, continue to stay married and very in a healthy marriage, we like to kind of challenge each other. She said, you know, Joe, you just lack so much empathy. You're just not a very empathetic person. I said, well, listen, I've been a hockey player my whole life. Like, you're not allowed to have feelings. Uh, all of a sudden, you're, you're with a buddy, and all of a sudden, he gets traded. You have to move on. you got to figure out a way to get through things, and, and that's just how it was. And in hockey, we all know that players can just carve each other, and there's no feelings. And I always say that, you know, the hardest day for a hockey player is when they step in the locker room the day after they get a haircut. I mean, it's just absolute <laughs> abuse, right? It just never ends. So uh, it's something that with Bob, you just couldn't, you couldn't hold on to the feelings. You couldn't say too much. You couldn't feel too much. 
and I think he appreciated that about me. Now, Joey, you give us a lot of uh, advice on these on these hits, um, and we appreciate it. And I, I'm going down a, a road here that I'm being serious with. I love to read. I, I read a lot of books. I read everything I can get my hands on. Um, have you read, and I don't know if you remember Kevin Horrigan, but have you read, uh, and it's an awesome, awesome book. It's called The Right Kind of Heroes, and you probably yeah. don't have a lot of time to read a lot of books with all your kids, and I mean that sincerely. But it, And this is for anybody that's out there. It's it's The Right Kind of Heroes. It's uh, it's Bob Shannon and the East St. Louis Flyers. And basically, um, Kevin was, was embedded with the, the program when he could in, in 1990 and 91. They won a couple state titles. But... It goes into the socioeconomic issues of, of East St. Louis, what these kids are dealing with, um, you know, family issues, all the different things. It's it's an incredible book, but you having played for Bob Shannon uh, would love the book. I'm not sure if you've had the chance to read it, but you should. I, I did. I did, Danny Mac. I read it actually in high school, and that was one of the first things when – when he got transferred to CBC, everyone was talking about his book, and I kind of—I rem- still remember the cover. It was him on the on the cover here, his hands in, was behind his back, and I just remember reading it and listening. And there was one, there was one line. Isn't it, by the way, in, by the way, on the cover, not to interrupt here, but in the cover, doesn't he have overalls on, like the yellow you know, overalls with the red button up, and it's buttoned up all the way, like a golf shirt, red golf shirt, all the way up, you know, all yeah. three buttons. Yeah, it, it, it is so like just a typical old school coach. And he's got kind of that grin. Remember exactly. he had that huge, huge gap in his two front teeth. Huge yes. gap. He would yell at you and he had a big old gap. And it was kind of his, his smile was kind of one of those crazy things. But um, the, one, the one line of that book, you know, it's funny. I know you read a lot and, and I try to read as much as I can. But it's, it's funny how some things stick with you. Like, and I feel like if you can have one thing stick with, with you in your life or every book you read, to me, that's enough. And there was one line he said where he talked about some of the players there. And he talked about how, how they had so much potential um, but he said something um, that, that is so true to life. He said, potential only means you haven't done it yet. You know, potential means you only haven't done it yet. That's, that's what potential is. And, and essentially, yes, you may have the tools and yes, you may have these gifts, but you haven't done anything yet. And it's funny when I, when I ended up getting drafted by the Pittsburgh Penguins in the seventh round, I remember being around some people who were also drafted and they were celebrating and having like these parades and parties and they were so geeked up about it. And, and then Bob Shannon's quote, I remember it came back to me in that moment. I'd, I'd never forget it. I was in the streets in Minneapolis when, when, I, when I felt it. it. It basically said that this only means you haven't done anything yet. And so instead of, instead of sitting back and enjoying the fact that you were drafted, you, you haven't done squat. The, the, the potential means you haven't done it yet. So I remember at that point is when I really pushed hard. I trained even harder. I skated even more. I went to camps all over the country, and I really uh, took it to a whole new level. Because um, because of that line, that quote from The Right Kind of Heroes, I will never, ever forget reading that book. Absolutely. It is a great read, a simple read. And if you're a local to St. Louis and you want to learn a little bit of history of East St. Louis and, and kind of how Bob Shannon uh, groomed some incredible NFL players, it, it is definitely one to check out. Speaking of potential, this iteration of the Blues has potential. What happened last night? Uh, yeah, I was, I was hoping it's the Dodgers. Are we out of time? Jeez, I, I, look at the clock. Wow, we're moving. And go ahead and get, get into the goalie situation too, Joe, if you don't mind. Just, just whatever you, know what? you think, you know. Yeah, honestly, I, I think that, you know, I know it's a hot topic, and, 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 I'll, and I'll get in front of it. I, I think it's time just to, to say, Billy, you're, you're our go-to guy right now. And it's not permanently. And I think that you've got to take some pressure now off Jordan Bennington. And I think, I think for, for Billy Husso's sake, uh, too, I mean, you look at his numbers from the goals against the save percentage. He's at the top of the league. I mean, this this no longer can be 
I think you're back up. I don't think you can deny him anymore and, and say that we're going to keep splitting time or we're going to keep you know, giving Jordan Bennington that extra nod. I actually supported Craig Brewery last night at Sound the Air before the game. I love it. Jordan's your guy. you got to get him going. You know Billy's good, but you got to get your other guy going because you know that you're going to need both of them here down the stretch because there's so many games. And they're going to keep doing that. They're going to keep trying to get him going and try to figure it out. But at this point, I mean, you're looking at, you're looking at you know, uh, let's see, that was game 45 last night. We're heading into game 46 tomorrow night. I mean, this, this season, it's going to catch up pretty quickly. Like, and if you, don't, if you don't start banking some of these points in a hurry, uh, you're going to find yourself in the last couple of weeks of the season where you're, you're playing the Colorados and the Vegases. And you don't want to go to Colorado and have to get a point or two. I'm telling you right now, you don't want to have to go to play Vegas at home uh, with that juggernaut, especially with Jack Eichel coming back, and have to scrape and claw for a couple points. These are these points you really need to start banking and I think that Craig Berube did a good thing last night trying to say, hey, Jordan, this is, you're our guy. We've been good on home ice. This is a game against a struggling team. Let's go out through the strike, finding that confidence, getting points, and, and everything looked good up until that third period, unfortunately. Um, and it didn't, it didn't work out the way it did. But at some point, you have to just kind of take a step back and say, listen, uh, things are not working out that well. It's been some time. We've given time off. We've had him sit. We've been working on him practice. But it still isn't maybe clicking the way it used to. Something about his swagger just is not quite there. We have to just go to plan B now, which is use your backup who has been absolutely terrific in Billy Huso. For whatever reason, the team um, is play, plays very well in front of him. He does make that save in a timely manner when they need it, and he is winning games. It's just that simple, and right now you need points. So I think at this point moving forward over the next stretch of games, at least in, in the near future, I think you need to lean on Billy until um, you give Jordan another sniff, and hopefully it works out well, and then you can move forward from there. Joey V, have a great weekend. Have a great Valentine's Day, and we'll see you soon and talk to you next Friday. Sounds good, boys. You guys have a great weekend. Always enjoy these talks, and you guys be safe and healthy out there. You too. Thank you. And we enjoy it too. That's Joe Vitale on 101 ESPN. Joey V is as good as it gets. By the way, Kevin Horrigan co-wrote that book with Bob Shannon, Yeah, and they did a great job. The old sport. Yeah. Uh, What was the name of the book again? Uh, I just said it here. Uh, The Right Kind of Heroes. Yeah. The Right Kind of Heroes. And if you get an opportunity, it is timeless. Have you read it? I have. Yeah, I read it right when great. it came out. It's great. Uh, the old sport was the best, by the way. Yeah, he's terrific. Just a curmudgeon. I loved it. Um, I wonder what the old sport would say about this. I'm going off the beaten path. Mm-hmm. I just ran across this quote from Scott Boris. You ready? Mm-hmm. 20 years ago, MLB franchises were UFOs, unidentified mm-hmm. and financially overlooked. Today, that UFO has landed in the clubhouse with a true definition, ultimate financial opportunity. <laughs> he, Pretty good. He comes Pretty out good. with some dandies, man. He's really good. Matthew, did you have something to say? You grabbed I, was your say I, I, was, I had a year of weight training class where Bob Shannon was my teacher. And that was the best class of my entire life because I would, I would, just, I would get bored sometimes during class and I would just mosey over to him. I'd just be like... Did you watch that college football game over the weekend? And then I would just get 25 minutes of talking college football with Bob Shannon. Awesome. It would, and, you know, th- I might not be, you know, doing this job if I don't have that class with him and he doesn't completely, like, take my love of football and just it grows just in that one year getting to talk to him, you know, two or three times a week. I think Friday Night Lights is probably my favorite high school mm-hmm. sports book by Buzz Bissinger. It's just an incredible book. Yeah. Obviously, a lot of younger fans know it from the movie or the the show, but the book is incredible. Um, but that Bob Shannon book is right there with him. It was really good. good. Yeah. Coming up, it's The Fight on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome to The Fight on Character and Smallman in the 
it's Joe Listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive. Please welcome Randy Carricker. All right, away we go on a Friday edition of The Fight. Um, Dan McLaughlin filling in for Michelle. She'll be back with you on Wednesday. She's had a long, extended vacation. If you're curious, she went out to uh, South Africa. There was a wedding, and then they stayed and had... Uh, safaris and whatnot so she's been enjoying herself and she'll be back with us on Wednesday Randy has been on a roll here on the fight and his challenger today is Tom good morning Tom how are you I'm well sir yourself I'm doing well uh what do you do for a living what what allows you to listen to this fine program in the morning I'm a retired soldier Dan oh that's awesome thank you so much for your service what uh, branch of the military army Army. Okay. Soldier, Army. Great. How many years did you uh, serve our country? I I could only go 22 years. Well, I, I got medicaled out after that. Well, God bless you, man. And thank you for what you've done for all of us in protecting our freedoms. Really, really sincerely appreciate it. Thank you very much. Absolutely loved it. All right. Let's go. I, I'm pulling for you big time today. All right. Who was the first African-American to be inducted into the Hall of Fame who didn't play in the Negro Leagues? Was it Ernie Banks, Hank Aaron, or Bob Gibson? Who was the first African-American to be inducted into Major League Baseball's Hall of Fame who did not play in the Negro Leagues? Was it Ernie Banks, Hank Aaron, or Bob Gibson? I'm going to go with Gibby. I, I can't remember if... if, you, if uh, you know what, Tom? Tom, you stay right there with that choice. I, I'm just leaning towards that way. You just stay right there, okay? That's where I'm going. Because I'm really pulling for you today. Now, Matt has question two. Which NHL team drafted former Blues head coach Joel Quinville in the first round of the 1978 NHL draft? Was it the Chicago Blackhawks, the Montreal Canadiens, or the Toronto Maple Leafs? Um, I have really no idea. I'll, I'll go with the Blackhawks. Who is the only quarterback other than Tom Brady to have three 300-yard passing games in the Super Bowl? Was it Steve Young, John Elway, or Kurt Warner? Oh, boy. Um, I'll go with Warner on that one. I like that choice. And number four behind Tom Brady, because he has every one of these records. What QB has the most passing TDs in their Super Bowl career? So behind Tom Brady, who has the most passing TDs in their Super Bowl career? Is it Terry Bradshaw, Joe Montana, or Roger Staubach? Mm, I'll go with Montana. All right, Tom. Nice work. Uh, let's bring in Randy. 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 I'll send out a tweet. I'll see it. <laughs> Come on, Randall. <clears throat> You better not be uh, cheating back there. <laughs> Were you cheating? Scurrilous accusations. How? I don't know if the the sound was out there or whatever. We don't so even have what? a ceiling. His head was uh, well, buried. His head was buried in his phone. Unless somebody was tweeting out the answers, he didn't see it. Um, say, by the way, Randall, we have Tom. He uh, served our country in the army for 22 years, and he is our fighter today. And I'm pulling for him. Tom, thank you very much for your service and uh, for your preserving our freedoms. We do appreciate it, and we thank you for listening and thanks for participating today. Well, thank you. I appreciate the stuff you guys do. You thank bet. you. I mean, I got a poll for Tom. You don't Absolutely. understand that. I okay. totally get that. All right. Who was the first African-American to be inducted into the Hall of Fame who didn't play in the Negro Leagues? Again, who was the first African-American to be inducted into Major League Baseball's Hall of Fame who did not play in the Negro Leagues? 
It's a tough question, I think. It is. I had, a, I had a couple that I went through with Matt, and, you know, I was I would have been wrong. Hmm. Well, let's see. Uh, this is an interesting question. Hmm. I'll do the lifeline, I guess. Okay. Ernie Banks, Hank Aaron, or Gibby? I'll give you those again. No, I got Ernie Banks, Hank Aaron, and Gibby. Bob Gibson, if you didn't yeah. know who yeah. Gibby was. Yeah. Okay. Not, not Kirk. No. Um, <laughs> that's right. Well, I know that, that Bob Gibson did not trivia. play in the Negro Leagues. I think that Aaron had a little stint. The catch for me is Ernie Banks. But I'll go with Bob Gibson. What NHL team drafted former Blues head coach Joel Quinville in the first round of the 1978 NHL draft? Q. Okay, so Q played in the first round of the 78 draft? Yes. 21st overall. He played for the Colorado Rockies. And I think he also played for Toronto, if I'm not mistaken. And... That's my my own little personal list is those two. Um, so I will go with seventy-eight. Uh and then they moved to New Jersey. I will go with uh, the Colorado Rockies. Oh wait, 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 wait. Did I do that? 21st overall? Matt, am I allowed to take it back? Yeah. I mean, we, yeah. we went official. I didn't go to question three. Randall, the, you're okay, back fine. on two. I'll, I'll say Colorado Rockies. No, fine. no, no. Colorado. He did not go take ahead. his hand off the pawn. Yeah. No, fine. you don't. No. No. I'll go with Colorado then. You sure? Yeah, I'm fine. Okay. All right, question three. Who is the only quarterback other than Tom Brady to have three 300-yard passing games in the Super Bowl? Well, I know that Kurt Warner did it, so I will say that it's Kurt Warner. And again, behind Tom Brady, what QB has the most passing touchdowns in their Super Bowl career? Most passing touchdowns in their Super Bowl career? Um, Montana is up there with no interceptions. And I don't know that Kurt certainly didn't do it. Uh, Aikman didn't have that many. So I think based upon that, Drew Brees didn't have many. Peyton Manning didn't have many. Steve Young did have five in a game, six in a game, but he only played the one game. I'll go with Montana. We have a winner today. Wait, hold on a second. Oh, no, we don't. Yeah. We have a tie today. Yeah, my, my bad. We have a tie today. My bad. Okay, we have a tie. Between Sorry, Randy and Tom. Sorry, Tom. Okay, tiebreaker. You guys ready? I got to get a piece of paper here. And this, yeah, this will be closest to the pin on this one. Okay. Sure. I'm ready. All right. Tom, you ready? Yes, sir. Okay. The record for the longest home run hit at Bush Stadium 3, so the current ballpark, is held by former brewer Keon Broxton. And he launched a home run. Back on June 15th of 2017, how long is that home run? How many feet did it go? So, again, 
The record for the longest home run hit at Bush Stadium 3, the current ballpark the Cardinals play in, is held by former Brewer Keon Broxton. And he launched a home run how far in the second inning, June 15th of 2017, how many feet? Randall, hold that up again. I'm sorry. Yep. Okay. Got it. Okay. Uh, Tom, what do you have, sir? 490. Well, you're both very close, and we do have a winner today. Congratulations, Tom. You barely beat Randy on this one. This is a very, really good fight. Good really fight. Cl- this is hard, hard, hard questions. Uh, pull that down. I don't get it was last Friday I got yelled at. Okay, so who was are you ready to go, Randall? For yeah, the answer? Okay. So who was the first uh, African American to be inducted into Major League Baseball's Hall of Fame who did not play in the Negro Leagues? Uh, you both got this right. It was Bob Gibson. Ernie Banks was actually a Kansas City monarch. Mm. And there's a great picture. I don't know if you guys have ever seen this of a young Hank Aaron going to play for the Indianapolis Clowns. And he's got like just a little suitcase bag, if you want to call it that. It looked like some toiletries or something, underwear and socks. And he's at a train station. But yeah, he played in the Negro Leagues. Bob Gibson did not. So both got that right. Number two, what NHL team drafted former Blues head coach Joe Quinville in the first round? It was the Toronto Maple Leafs. Rando, you went back and forth on this one. You was, told me to change, so I couldn't I change. I didn't so. tell you to change. <laughs> Don't you blame this on me. All right, question three. Who is the only quarterback other than Tom Brady to have three 300-yard passing games in the Super Bowl? Both got it right. It was Kurt Warner. And behind Tom Brady, who has the most uh, passing TDs in Super Bowl career, it is Joe Montana. Both of you got that right as well. And the Keon Broxton to hit one. Uh, 489 feet. Randy went Ooh. 472. And Tom, you're just uh, one foot shy. Uh, 490 was your guess. So he uh, wins the tiebreaker. And Tom, uh, we hope that you're available on Monday and you'll uh, be matched up with Randall again. Well, I'm sure I will be. <laughs> Looking okay. forward to it. Have a great weekend. Thank you. You too. Thanks, All Tom. Right. Tom with us on 101 ESPN. That's the fight. Next up, we're going to head back to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. And Greg Amzinger, MLB Network, joins us next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Danny Mackin for Michelle, Randy Carricker, and to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, we... Always enjoy welcoming in a native of the St. Louis area, St. Charles, actually. Went to the Lindenwood University, as did Dan, as did Randy. And Greg you Amzinger. You the way, though, Randall. I, I was ahead of you, you guys because I'm and older. Earl. Yeah. Rammer was really the, the trendsetter. Yes. But Greg Amzinger is the guy that made it big because he's at MLB Network. <laughs> right. And he joins us now sure. from Montclair, New Jersey. Good morning, sir. How you doing? And, you know, I got to tell you, uh, for all the listeners right now that are, that are tuning in, Dan and Randy, they're not just pretty faces. I learned a lot watching these guys do their thing. They produce a lot of what they do, basically all of what they do. They come up with ideas for segments and things like that. So as I sit here in Montclair, New Jersey, I am hosting MLB Tonight later today, and I am producing a segment. I coordinate with my producers, but this producing edge I have came from watching role models in my life, like Dan McLaughlin and Randy Character. You guys weren't oh, just stop. stars. You weren't just broadcast stars. 
You actually like doing the behind-the-scenes work, and that's important for young people to hear. Now, did Randy ever throw a card at you? Because <laughs> you got to be no, careful. You know, no, no, when you're producing for Randy, you got to be real careful. You do, you do. But listen, when I talk like this, he says, pick it up on putts that are like eight feet. So if I keep oh, like yeah. buttering them up, he gives me all kinds of putts. It's great. That's well. That's more important than anything you can do professionally. I can tell you that. All right, I, I'm going to ask this question in the easiest way possible. Are you, as you sit at home this weekend, making flight plans to go to either Florida or Arizona for tell spring me, training? Uh, tell us that you are. Go ahead. Just lie to us. I'm, I'm going to let you know right now. These facts. I'm not lying to you. I have a flight booked March 6th to, to go to Arizona. I will be in Scottsdale. They are planning for me to, and my crew to cover uh, 30 clubs in 30 days, our spring training series, March 6th. And as of now, I still have my itinerary. They're not changing that. That, that is factual. Now, you have your itinerary. That's a fact. And then there's also this thing called hope. Are you hopeful that you will be cashing in on that itinerary and, and going to either Arizona, Florida, wherever you're going? I, I, I'm always hopeful, but optimistic at the same time. Okay. So many people viewed what the commissioner did yesterday, that press conference, in a negative way. Like, oh, this is not looking good. It's not sounding good. We're definitely going to have delayed spring training, which we might. Oh, man, we might have a strike. We might be staring down a strike. Can I tell you what I saw during that commissioner press conference? I saw a commissioner who was reluctantly – optimistic. What does that mean? He said optimistic many times. He knew to me the air of it, because I know the guy, he was going to have to bend on something that he didn't want to bend on. And that's why when he said optimistic, he had a grumpy tone in the word optimistic. Yeah, I'm optimistic we're going to get a deal done. Because they're going to bend on something they really didn't want to bend on. And I think that's where we're at. You have to kind of have a swirl, which is what we saw yesterday. There was swirl there uh, for us to get anywhere. If there was, if, if they were blowing smoke, you wouldn't hear any emotion. But there's frustration right now because there, it's, a, it's now literally a ping pong match. Before, the, the ball was going over the net, and the other side was grabbing the ping pong ball and putting it in their pocket for a while. This is going back and forth, which is going to lead to action, which is going to lead to a deal getting done. I still truly believe we will not miss a game. I actually was the same way. Um, now, I there were times when I was watching Greg, I was like, oh, okay. And, you, you know, you got to read between the lines, like you're saying. You got to watch body reaction, how he answers things. But then other times I was like, oof, boy, I wouldn't have said that because that's going to turn some fans off. I, I was kind of like mixed. I was going back and forth with the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, uh, there was one response that I wish would have been worded differently uh, when he was asked, is owning an MLB exactly. team a lucrative venture? And, you know, he said that, you know, the numbers that, and the data that he's been presented, if you take the amount of money that you would put down to buy a baseball team and the operating costs and just put that in the stock market, you'd make more money. But, I mean, he might be true. I don't know what data he saw. I, I, I don't know. Okay. But that's like saying to Randy Carricker and Dan McLaughlin, uh, you guys know um, when you're 20 years old, if someone came to you, you know, get into investment banking. You'll make more money. So it's this is not as lucrative as being an investment banker. Maybe get into buying commercial real estate instead. Yeah, they might be factually correct, but the cachet of having an awesome career in the industry that you actually love is worth more 
than just the bottom line. And we're talking about billionaire owners, okay? Billionaire owners who don't necessarily need a great financial return on every single move they make in their life. They've already been getting that. They want the cachet of owning a major league baseball team. And we haven't seen anyone sell one of these pieces of property for nothing. (laughs) They're all going up in value. So I don't think what he said was uh, incorrect. I don't think he was lying. I just think that, you know, he, he, he does have to listen to 30 owners. And he does that an awful lot. And he's in a very difficult spot trying to make those guys happy and the union, which is what a caretaker of the game is supposed to do. Greg, if you can give me a player name that you would like the Cardinals to sign once things open up again, that'd be fine. But give me an element that you would like the Cardinals to address or fix when we get back to free agency after this lockout is over. I still think shortstop, and I know everyone says that's not going to happen because, you know, you're going to have the kid come up, Corman, play second base, Tommy Edmonds slides over. I I don't think Edmund or DeYoung uh, or Sosa are everyday shortstops. Dan probably disagrees with me. I I just don't think that's your – have options. Uh, Trevor Story, I think you could get him for a a terrific value right now, a terrific value once uh, the business of baseball opens back up. Carlos Correa, I don't know. I think that might be way too steep. But the Puerto Rican connection to Yadi or Molina, I find interesting with Yadi going out. Who knows? But I, I just think right now you have an opportunity to upgrade in that spot for the long term. And why would you pass that up? You know, next year, yeah, Trey Turner is going to be very steep as a free agent. Dansby Swanson will be a free agent. Xander Bogarts is probably going to opt out of his contract with the Boston Red Sox, and he'll be a free agent. But I look at all three of those guys, and I think Trey Turner is going to be in the same financial category as, as Carlos Cray and Corey Seager. Cardinals mm-hmm. aren't going to go there. I, I think Dansby Swanson is much better than what you already have in-house. I think Trevor's story is a terrific opportunity here. The relationship with Arenado is important. I, I, to me, it just would fit like a glove. So if, if I was thinking, oh, I want the Cardinals with all these veterans, they're clearly ready to win right now. I'm going Trevor's story. I'm going all in on Trevor's story. I think um, if I ran a front office and they said Saturday, uh, okay, we got a deal and it needs to be ratified, which will take a week. I don't know if I would leave my office, and I'm being dead serious. Um, There's so many things that have to be done in a short amount of time. You know, we hear about, like, Dick Vermeil and all these guys having burnout and sleeping in their their offices getting ready for a football game. Uh, These guys are going to be sleeping in their office, man. It's going to be no holds barred and just pedal to the metal. It's going to be... I think people will say, great, deal's done. Now it's the fun of free agency again. It could be just a free-for-all, the wild, wild west, and I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be fun. I I am as well. Uh, I bought a really bougie sleeping bag that I'm taking (laughs) to my office in Secaucus, New Jersey. Are you being serious? Uh, no, I'm not. Look, I, yeah, I'm not being. Uh, I'm, I didn't buy a sleeping bag. I lied about that. Okay. But I am. I, I am literally prepared, and our schedules uh, have all been altered. When the lockout ends, that all the broadcasters at MLB Network are kind of prepared to work around the clock until opening day, until I get to go on my mancation to cover spring training March 6th, which I can't <laughs> wait for in Scottsdale, Arizona. But we are all being told that because what we're expecting is a frenzy of, of activity, which is what you're talking about, Dan, to be ready to work at all hours. So it's going to be uh, reminiscent of how we prepare for the winter meetings. When we show up at one of these locations sure. and we kind of work around the clock, we're going to be doing that from our studio once the lockout ends, which I love. I mean, look, we, 
well, I got into this business to work and you guys, I watched you guys do it too. It, it's a fun thing to do. So even if I'm on TV at two o'clock in the morning, cause Carlos Correa agrees to a deal to go to the Mets and play third base. I'm excited to talk about that. So we are prepared for an onslaught of moves from all these front offices. If indeed in the second week of March, you find yourself in Scottsdale, Arizona, I will make my way down there and we'll go to Frasher's Tavern near downtown Scottsdale. George Frasher, St. Louis and owns a great St. Louis restaurant, right? Right in downtown Scottsdale, so we'll be there. And you might have to work, but I'll bring my clubs just in case. Oh, let me tell you how we make this work. So we tape the show, 30 Clubs in 30 Days. We do all the on-camera hits with the studio going back and forth. The show's completely in the can. Then me and my producers, I only go with producers that play golf. That's terrible. It's horrible <laughs> bias. It really is bad. But everyone knows that. And I, I'm telling you, so many fans have seen Greg Amsinger shirtless, which is not a great site, in parking lots of one of these spring training sites. I derobe in the parking lot, put my golf clothes on, and we fly. Because, again, when you're in Arizona – you're up against the sun. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to squeeze in 18 holes. We usually tee off by 230, 245, and we'll try to jam it in there, Randy. So be prepared. I'll meet you at the tee box, and we'll make it happen. It's going to happen. I love it. Hey, it's always great to have you with us. Have a happy Valentine's weekend. Enjoy the Super Bowl. You're rooting against the Rams, right? 1,000%. That's my boy. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> love it. <laughs> we'll talk to you later. I see you, guys. See you, Greg. Greg Amzinger. See, he's a St. Louis guy. Oh, yeah. On 101 you don't forget ESPN. That. Coming up, we're going to take a quick look at uh, some of the prop bets for the Super Bowl before we get to Travis Ford, the St. Louis U basketball coach on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Opinions matter. Time now for today's Big Thing with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Some of the prop bets for the Super Bowl, Mickey Guyton, a country singer, is going to be singing the anthem. And, Dan, the over-under for the anthem is 95 seconds, a minute 35. Okay. What do you have? You going under or over? I am. We were talking about this during the break. You said the shortest one was Jewel at 126? 127 for 127. the shortest. 127. So, uh, last year country was, singer, right? Yeah, Guy, and okay. this was, last year was a country duet that lasted... Uh, and this baby solo? Th- yeah. Uh, yes. Okay. Last year, the country duet of Eric Church and Jasmine Sullivan uh, did it in 217. Man. Uh, normally, it, I, I would say if it was like a regular season game, I'd take the under, but it's a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. You can draw it out a little bit more. I'm going to go the over. I'm going to go with the over on the anthem as well. All right. A number of planes during the flyover. And remember, there's a roof. At the stadium. So the flyover isn't going to be as effective. Uh, the over-under is five for Take, the I'm number t- of planes. Okay, I'm taking the under. I'm going to go with the under is that with that as well. Like 2-2, two, two, little V action maybe? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. One, then, yeah. Then, okay. okay, we both took the over for the anthem. So let's figure the anthem goes a minute 45. Will any scoring drive take less time than it takes to sing the national anthem? So will be, there be a scoring drive that takes less than a minute 45? Yes, is it minus 250? No, is it plus 185? I'm going to say no. I'm going to say there will be a scoring drive that takes less than a minute 45. Then I'm saying that you're feeling it's a tight game. Things get nuts at the end of the game, and mm-hmm. you might get that 145. We've oh. seen that the whole playoffs. Yep. I kind of agree with that, so I don't like my answer. Okay, which player 
will be shown on TV first Ooh, during the national one. anthem. Will be Joe Burrow is at minus one thirty. Matthew Stafford at minus one ten. Burrow first. Okay. Receivers. Which player will be shown first during the national anthem? Cooper Cup at minus one fifty. Jamar Chase at plus one ten. Can I get OBJ? Or no, is it gotta be that. Gotta be one okay. of those two. Uh, give me a, a cup and uh, Chase. I'll go Chase. I'm with you there. I'm actually no. I'm gonna go go yeah, Cooper Cup. cup. Uh, I'm gonna say Burrow is the first quarterback in Cup, and I'm with you, Matthew. Cup is the first receiver. Okay. All right. Uh, some of the other props that are out there: Matthew Stafford over under passing yards two eighty six. Over. I think he goes over as well. Yeah. Joe Burrow, 280 over under. Under. Ooh. Are you are you, are you predicting a Rams win right now? With I this, hate to with, say with, it. With, with I, what I, you're saying right defense now? Defense is going to win this It kind of sounds like it. Uh, I'm going over for both of them. I think it's going to be a little bit of a shootout. Randall? High, in your mid-30s. I think Burrow goes over. Okay. Over 280. Well, put it this way. I think he has to if they have a chance to win. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, will first play from scrimmage result in a first down? Yes, plus 260. No, minus 330. No. I'm going to say it does. I think you feel it out. I think you run. And so the first play will be like up the gut so that everybody gets a play under their belt, maybe a yard or two, stop to the line of scrimmage, mm-hmm. and then the next play goes for a touchdown. Okay, how about this one? Will the last play of the game be a quarterback rush, i.e. a kneel down? Yes, minus 220, no, plus 180. Uh, I'm no. saying that it's going to be a kneel down. I say no. Okay? No. I'm, I'm, I'm saying the okay, I'll give you my reasoning. Yeah. I, I think pretty, somebody yeah. be trailing, and they're, they're going to be chucking it all over the place, so it'll be the final play, and uh, that's how time runs out. Okay, and I'm going to say that the Rams lose it on downs. <laughs> I love it. So I know where you're going to go with everything. Yeah, no doubt about it. Okay, uh, a couple more quick ones here. Total players with a pass attempt in the game. The over-under is two and a half. Under, minus 170. That would be the Burrow. So you're going to have a trick play or something, a you A trick mean? play, okay. uh, running back, halfback option, something like that. I don't see that happening. No, I'd take the under. I think Sean McVay is going to have a trick up his sleeve. OBJ is a left-handed thrower. There you go. That's a good call. Ooh, I like that. He's got a good spiral. Yeah, he does. I, I, no, I'd take the under. Nope. Okay. No, no, no. And then let me give you uh, one more. What will be longest in the game? The first punt or the longest touchdown scored? So if the first punt, for example, is 40, will the – or let, let's say it would be 51. Let's give okay. the punt 51. Will there be a – Longer touchdown than 51 yards. Not a drive, just a play. Touchdown scoring play, yes. Uh, the punt. I can be kind of like a feeling out thing at first. I don't see anybody doing that. I just, yeah. you, with Cooper Cup and Jamar Chase in this game, I think you do. I think you get a, a, an explosive play like that. What do you um, think, man? Yeah, I I'm, I think we're going to see some big plays. I think we, each team gets at least one big, you know, 40, 50 plus yard touchdown, so I would take that one. Can I give you guys a couple of quick ones? Sure. Okay. Uh, how many punts in the game? Over under six and a half. I'm taking the under. Under. Okay. Um, both teams average, by the way, 11 drives in the playoffs. So it makes mm-hmm. some sense. And will there be anybody that scores in the first three and a half minutes? I'm going to say no. I agree with that. I'm going to say no, too. No for me. No. 
So okay, and a lot of cool prop bets for you at FanDuel Sportsbook. So just sign up. Who are they going to show the most in the stands? That's one of my favorite ones too. Is it Stafford's wife? Is it uh, an owner? Is it you know Magic? Magic is a good call. Gretzky's probably going to be there. Mm. It's in L.A. What celebrity do they keep going to? Yeah. Hmm. I'd say it's got to be a wife. I, you know, like Stafford's wife would be oh, showing. Yeah, I could see that, definitely. Or may, Burrow's parents, maybe, or something. Yeah. You know, his dad was big in his life right. w- with football specifically. Yep. You know, but they'll have a story about that. Right. Yeah, I could see Good. that. All right. That's Dan. I'm Randy. Coming up, the Pelicans and St. Bonaventure tonight at 8 o'clock at Chaffetz Arena. The coach, Travis Ford, next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Billikens and St. Bonaventure tonight, 8 o'clock ESPN 2 game, but you need to be there over at Chaffetz Arena because St. Louis U is a lot of fun, and their coach, Travis Ford, joins us now with Dan McLaughlin and Randy Carricker on 101 ESPN. Coach, good morning. How you doing? Hey, good morning, guys. Doing well. Appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Uh, we always enjoy having you on, and I got to start with this because one of the reasons that my family goes to games and has season tickets is because my wife is a graduate of the St. Louis U Law School, so she's into Billiken basketball more than any other sport. And she said, "Can you ask Coach a question for me?" So I'm going to ask it. Okay. Uh, that's great. I uh, love it. She wants to know if you have plans to get Martin Lenson back into the starting lineup now that he's back from the injury and he's sharing time, he's getting his minutes, but do you have plans to get him back into the starting lineup? Hey coach, by the way, before you answer that, this is Randy hiding behind his wife to ask you a tough question about your lineup. Let's just be honest. Now go ahead. Cause I want to know too. Well, first I'll say, obviously starting really doesn't matter. I mean, it, um, I know the players care, fans care, but as a co- from a coaching standpoint, you know, we try to tell our players this all the time, and they and they kind of get it, that, you know, starting, uh, I, I understand what it means, but it's about playing. It's about what is your role? What can you do to help our team? But to answer her question, <laughs> probably, <laughs> probably not as of right now. Um you know, we kind of like the flow that we're in at this point. Uh, you know, you never say never, but, uh, you know, they're both, Francis Okoro and Martin are both doing a great job for us. They're both going to play heavy minutes. Uh, we got to keep them out of foul trouble at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. last four games, they've been in foul trouble together. Um, but right now, we'll probably stick with what we're doing uh, at this point. Coach, I think it's been great. We had you on a few months ago, and I said, man, who's going to get you a bucket at the end of the game? Who's that guy you could go to when Javante Perkins got hurt? And you said, well, we're going to try to figure that out, and you know, we're trying to kind of figure it out as the season goes along. And I, I look at the like the last couple of weeks. Gibson has 31, then he has 28. Then you have Yuri Collins, who steps up in a game, hits a big game winner, huge game for him. The other night, it, it's Fred Thatch. Um, you've been kind of able to figure this out with different guys, haven't you? And, and that's the key. It's it's different players on any given game. You know, you look back, Fred Thatch hits a game winner for us against Iona. Uh, obviously, Yuri's had a big game. Gibson, as you mentioned, you know, they've all had big moments for us. And when when Javante went down, that was kind of the message to our team. There's not one person that's going to do this, going to take the whole team by, 
by a community to do this, and they've done a great job so far. Coach, St. Bonaventure in this season had to deal with a lot of what you guys had to deal with last year, basically taking a month off because of COVID. From your perspective, and you can only go by what happened with you guys, how hard was it to get back into a groove after essentially missing a month last season? Well, the first couple of weeks are really hard. Uh, no question about it. Um, and for us, the hard part was our whole team had, had tested pretty much. Our whole team had tested positive, And it wasn't like, you know, just one or two guys, the whole team went in for quarantine. You know, every, I think 12 out of our 14 or 15 had tested positive at that point. So it took some time to get back. I don't know if we ever – got back to the way we were I, I know we didn't as far as how we were playing um but it uh it, it can take some time i think you know looking at say bonaventure over the last couple of games especially their last game on saturday they looked uh like their old self they looked tremendous they uh obviously ultra ultra talented extremely experienced uh just uh you know gonna be a great challenge tonight coach um your first year it's hard to believe by the way i don't know if it is for you it may seem like a lifetime for you, but it's your sixth year at SLU. And your first year, um, you didn't have a lot of talent. No disrespect to the guys on your roster. You just didn't have a lot of talent. I thought you did a hell of a job. You were 12-21 and 21 to get 12 wins with that team. But it was kind of hit and miss with crowds. And now I looked at, you know, the crowd the other day. And we'll, we'll have a big crowd here tonight, I'm sure, at Chaffetz, if hopefully a sellout. Um do you ever catch yourself in a game kind of looking around and going, yeah, this is what I envisioned. I, I thought I could make this thing and get this thing going. A lot of hard work, obviously, a lot of up and down, ups and downs. But do you ever catch yourself in a game and just say, man, all right, we got this thing rolling in the right direction. This is what I thought I could do. Absolutely. You know, it's it's been, you know, the the bulk of a lot of conversations about getting the consistent fan support that I know, you know, the SLU community, the St. Louis community love Billiken basketball, getting to pack Chaffetz Arena uh, on uh, on every game. Um, and, you know, it's important to us. We want to put a team out there that St. Louis is proud of, that they enjoy supporting, that they enjoy watching. Uh, I think Chaffetz Arena is just an incredible basketball venue to to watch a college basketball game, Chris May, our athletic director, and his staff do a great job of putting on a great event from the video boards to the kind of fireworks that go off during the starting lineups. Uh, our student section has been incredible, but it's really important to us that, uh, and, and it makes a difference, but it's important that uh, our, our fans come out and we want to give them something to be excited about. Travis, you mentioned the experience that St. Bonaventure has, and I don't remember this. I don't expect you to. I, I can't remember the last time I saw a college basketball team with five senior starters, let alone one that you guys played. Do you remember the last time you saw a, a team that had five senior starters? It's extremely unusual. Uh, very unusual, especially five seniors that have all been together. Mm -hmm. yeah, you might start seeing seniors pick out a portal and an older team based upon, you know, transferring to a certain school but five four guys that have been together for four years it is unheard of you may not ever see it again um you know it's it, they're you know you can tell when they play that uh they know each other extremely well they've had a lot of success together That's what we talked to our team about yesterday this team is used to winning 
the St. Bonaventure team is used to winning, and uh, you're going to go out and have to beat them. You can't hope that they miss a shot. You got to make them miss a shot. You got to go get a rebound. They're just not going to give it to you. Um, uh, you know, this is an impressive St. Bonaventure team, a team that, uh, you know, obviously there was a reason they were picked top 20, and gosh, they were ranked for probably six, seven weeks uh, in a row this year, picked to win our league unanimously. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a, an exciting, challenging game tonight. Then again, Coach, on the flip side, you know, Gibson Jimerson is a, a 10-year freshman, and <laughs> so is Fred Thatch, you know, so it's just kind of odd times in college basketball, you know? It is. It's uh, I can't keep track of it half the time, what grades some of these guys are in, but uh, it's, it's, it is a different time between redshirting, between COVID years. Um, it is a different time, but uh, – you know, it's it, it, it. Our guys, I think, have handled it well. Um, you know, Yuri has led us uh, without question. He's just been playing extremely special. He's fun to just watch himself. Um, but yeah, it's it's different times. That's for sure. Hey, hey coach, uh, my final question for you: um, In terms of looking at the NCAA tournament, do you allow yourself, or do you get with your staff and say? And I know this is a tough question, and maybe you don't want to answer it, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Do you say, hey, if we can get to this benchmark, and even though we may lose, but if it's a tight game, because you know how these rankings work, sometimes a loss is not really a loss. You know what I mean? It's it's if, right. if people really dive into the numbers. And, right. you know, the, the bottom line is wins and losses and trying to get into the tournament, obviously, from the perspective of the competition. Do you allow yourself to look at that? Does your team and the coaching staff do that? Well, you know, we know where we're at. Uh, we don't spend a lot of time talking about, well, we need to do this, we need to do that. We know we need to win the next game, and that's, you know, bottom line. And that's what we focus on as far as that's concerned. But we know where we stand in the net. We know all that. Um, we don't spend a lot of time talking to our players about it because I think they know. I, I know they know. You don't want to put added pressure. You want their focus to be on the scouting report, the game plan, and trying to be their best against St. Bonaventure. That's what we need for them to consume their mind with when that game starts. And, you know, not just the ramifications of a win or loss, but just everything they need to do to try to make themselves successful in that moment. But as a coach, you said, we know where we're at. Um, and, you know, uh, still <laughs> – an extremely lot of a lot of work to be done, and our toughest games are ahead of us. Uh, and that's that's a positive uh, in, in some terms that you can still hopefully move the needle a little bit if you take care of your business. But it's going to be it's going to be an incredible challenge. Last thing, Travis. After the win the other day, you had a great student section on Saturday at Chaffetz Arena, and after the wins, you go by that student section and you greet them and high five. How much fun is that for you to have an energized student section to make a lot of noise that welcomes you after a game like that? It is a blast. I love it. Uh, it's a lot of fun and. On a lot of levels, yes, it makes a difference for our team. Absolutely, uh, you know our students have been incredible. Uh, it energizes our players, but also we want our students to have a great experience. Memories of a lifetime as a college student going to a college athletic game and being a part of a win, a big win, whatever it may be, or things that hopefully they talk about for a long time and want to come back to see more. So. You know, uh, we do that because we want them to know how much we really appreciate them coming out and supporting us, and uh, and we want everybody to have a great time. 
Coach, are you sold out for tonight, or do you know how many tickets are available? There are a few left. I, 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 I checked. There's a few left. Uh, so the better, I know they're going quick, but it is going to be a big time atmosphere tonight. If you don't have a ticket, go get it. It's 8 o'clock. Great time for a college basketball game on a Friday night against one of the better teams in America. Uh, so, yeah, there are a few. So uh, go to, you know, uh, slew athletic tickets and uh, pick up a couple tickets and come on out to shape it's tonight you know randy I, I don't know if you're did you get that text for from travis last week with those tickets that we asked him about i i, I still haven't gotten that but uh, maybe it's you know. with your phone like danny everybody else i run into right now <laughs> <laughs> i love it coach we're, we're so happy that things are going well and we'll see you tonight and see if we can bring home another winner yeah, as always, appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me on. Appreciate it very much. You Thanks, got it. Travis. Thanks, Coach. Travis Ford, head coach of the Billikens. Again, you can call 314-977, the number 4, SLU, 314 slu or just go to slubillikens.com, and then uh, it'll take you right to Ticketmaster. Doing those games six years ago, Randy, they were 12 and 21, okay? Yeah. And the cupboard was bare, man. And mm-hmm. to come in and convince local kids, stay home. We're going to build this thing up. Give him a lot of credit, yep. and and he dealt with a lot of ups and downs oh, early man. on, boy, man, yeah. oh, man. So, and I'll, I'll never forget Patrick w- was a freshman then. I, no, I guess he was a junior. He was a little older. But Travis, first day on the job, is taking cookies up to all the students and uh, offering cookies to students on campus. Yeah, just being the he coach. Gets it. Yeah, being the coach of the students. That's Dan. I'm Randy. Coming up, you're killing me, Smalls. I'm 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's totally killing Smalls right now? You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. Danny Mac, we had a chance to talk to Dick Vermeil earlier in the week with the expectation that he would land in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And lo and behold, last night at the NFL Honors Show, not only did he become an official Hall of Famer, he was introduced as a Hall of Famer by one of his players, Kurt Warner. And you asked Coach the other day what he was most proud of in this now Hall of Fame coaching career. Well, I think positive reinforcement is and and selling them the value of hard work and teaching them that hard work is not a form of punishment. It's a solution to solving their problems and reaching their goals, you know, and uh, uh, sometimes they fight you on it. I, you know, my first year, I can remember with the Rams, the OTAs we had <laughs> before had anybody half the time. We didn't have enough guys to practice because that no one showed up. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so you know, it, it, we had to change the environment there and uh, wait to, players think and uh, you know we were very fortunate because i surrounded myself with so many good people and had such great support from the ownership and the management team john sean jay zigman charlie army john becker these guys uh we we built a really nice together organization awesome that that was the question about what are you most proud of in st louis what you did here in st louis and dan it's amazing when you think about it 
the success of that particular group of people, Tory Holt, a very successful businessman in North Carolina, Ernie Conwell, the same down in Nashville, Isaac Bruce with his foundation, Kurt Warner, an accomplished broadcaster, Trent Green, an accomplished broadcaster, Orlando Pace, great businessman in the area, Tom Newton down in Tampa is doing great things, Mike Grudadoria down in Arizona, Adam doing Timmerman, great things. Timmerman back in Iowa doing great things. Defensively, London Fletcher is accomplished, uh, another accomplished broadcaster is Kevin Carter. DeMarco is doing a great job. Grant Wistrom has multiple businesses on the other side of the state. We can run down the Mike Jones over at St. Louis University as their football coach. Done a great job there, yeah. It's amazing to me, and it does tend to happen when you have championship teams, but the level of success of the people that he collected. Ricky Prohl doing unbelievable That's a really things. good point, Randy. I hadn't, th- yeah. I hadn't broken that down like that. That's a great point. The, the fact that that team was as accomplished on the field and has accomplished as much as they have off the field is a tribute to Dick Vermeil. As I said earlier this week, I think you would agree with this. In any sport, your team is a reflection of your coach and coaching staff. Mm-hmm. So when you have a guy that comes in and changes the culture through – and by the way, he wouldn't get away with it now with how he... No, I mean, he can't. He, it's against he was rules. drilling those guys, man. Yeah. I mean, the way that they practice and how hard it was. But he had to change it. And we all thought he was nuts. At least I did. And they weren't very good oh. for a couple of years. And all of a sudden, bam, they're they're just the best team on, on turf. They're the best team in the league. You remember, Dan, a lot of... Uh, Matt might not. Well, yeah, Matt probably does remember. Do you remember when Vermeil came here? Or are you too, you're too young for that, right? Do you remember that? So... The Rams, when they first came here, had signed a player named Dwayne White, the road grader. And by the way, he was at Isaac's Hall of Fame induction. And he was probably 360 pounds. And he signed the big contract, and then he just got fat. He did. And I remember DV's first mini camp. I asked him, hey, how's Dwayne White look? He said, he's a million miles away from being an NFL player. Kind of like Bruby, just really honest. Yeah. And Dwayne White never played a down for DV because he just wasn't committed enough to doing what DV wanted the group to do, to get better. You've been to a lot of the speeches um, in Canton, mm-hmm. or at least watched them. Uh, I, I posed this question earlier, and we were talking about how popular Dick is in, in all his different entities, whether it be winemaking business now mm-hmm. Or broadcasting or coaching at the college level many, many decades ago. And the the great teams that he had in Philly, St. Louis, and Kansas City. So, okay, give me the most uh, popular player that you saw that had a huge turnout for his Hall of Fame speech. Can you think of, or or even a coach? Was it Madden? Was it a a player? Of of all the players? Yeah. I mean, Pittsburgh Steelers fans who travel... So they, the, some of those guys had big – the Cowboys that's, had some big ones. I mean, that's part of it, your fan base. Yeah. But how many people do you think are going to go there for DV? Oh, the, it'll be unbelievable. And you're right. The Steelers guys, last year, Cowher, Palomalu, you had yeah. all kinds of Steelers guys going in. But because he represented three teams, three franchises, and three really good fan bases, one obviously disenfranchised now, but he was so good to people, he would talk football – at Deerberg's Schnooks with people. He would bring people. We, we, he told us a story about a guy he brought to Rams Park that had written a, a letter that said, I'm never going to go to another Rams game. I'm going to give up my season tickets. And DV brings him in for a day to show him what they do. He did that all over the place. Yeah. So I, I would think that it'll be pretty substantial. A lot of people. Can I do the next You're Killing Me Small? Sure. Matthew, please. Thank you. This is a famous day. In Cardinals history, St. Louis baseball Cardinals history, February 11th of 1982, 
40 mm. years ago. Wow. So I was going to hit you with this during the break, but I thought, you know, I'm going to hit Randy with this on the air. See if he remembers this famous date. Um, you know, we got Brock Fabrolio. We got uh, Wayno coming from the Atlanta Braves. And we have... The Yellow Brick Road leading yep. to St. Louis. That, this is the day that trade was finalized. February was, 11th, 1982, yeah. Ozzie Smith. Took a while. He had to bring Ozzie in to introduce him to snow. Yeah, right. He gets off the plane. He <laughs> loves telling that story. He's like, yeah. what have I done? Yeah. You know? But, yeah, this was the date 40 years ago, Ozzie Smith coming to St. Louis. For Gary Templeton and, yeah. obviously, one of the great deals in the history of baseball. So I just thought I'd... 40 years ago, though? Yeah. Really? In that, yeah, I, I'm old. I'm, I know, like, but I like I just can't even. I feel like I was yeah. just covering Ozzy in '96 in that final <laughs> right, year. Yeah, amazing. Anyway, so hey, let's do one more quick one here. I had to throw that at you. Yeah, I like that. And another baseball. This is a, a famous day because we finally learned, Dan, that it really isn't beneficial financially for to own a team. The, the commissioner told us so. You know, it's interesting. Um, we actually uh, hired an investment banker, um, a really good one, actually, um, to look at that very issue. If you look at the purchase price of franchises, the cash that's put in um, um, during the period of ownership and then what they've sold for, historically, the return on those investments is below what you'd get in the stock market, which you'd expect to get in the stock market with a lot more risk. Somebody thinks we're stupid. Randall? Yeah. I just would have said, um, I would have said, you know, Rob, if I was doing some marketing of MLB, and I, I don't want to tell him what to say, but I would say this is what I would probably lean towards. Let's mm -hmm. stay away from that topic. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, good idea. Yeah. people really don't want to hear that. And, and if you are answered and pressed on it, uh, our answer is our groups, our ownership groups love the sport. We love the game. We love our fans and trying to do the best for our communities. Next question, please. Yeah, there you go. Unreal. Just don't touch it. That's your Killing Me Smalls on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to wrap things up with a visit with Connor Orr of the MMQB from SI on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. You will hear Super Bowl 56 Sunday here on 101 ESPN in St. Louis. Pre-game at 1 o'clock, and then the action comes your way at 5.30. Dan McLaughlin, Randy Carricker, and we head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. And Connor Orr, who writes for the MMQB and Sports Illustrated, kind enough to preview the Super Bowl with us on 101 ESPN. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thanks. How are you? Everything's good. I want to start with this. Do you feel like Super Bowl hype in this era of of Zoom, rather than writers being surrounding podiums, is, is Super Bowl hype different now? Uh, I, I think so. I mean, you know, we're in a new era right now. I think probably if you're an NFL franchise, selfishly, you would like to keep it that way. Um, you know, I've heard from teams who said, this is great. We don't have to come out uh, sooner. We don't have to exhaust the players with constant media. And uh, we don't run the risk of anybody saying anything silly or getting taken out of context. And so I think that for a team, it's, it's a, it's a dream situation. I think for us, um, 
it's it's just a, it's a different situation. You know, I think that our jobs have changed tremendously over the last two years. But the goal is always to try to bring people to that that look and that feel the Super Bowl. And uh, you know, you just uh, you go about it a little bit of a different way. Okay, Connor, I get to put you on the spot. You actually agreed to come on our show, so we appreciate that. But I got to put you on the spot with this. You're in St. Louis radio, so. Uh, has anybody talked about the settlement that was paid out by the NFL? I mean, you're everybody's there, all the media is there. The 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 commissioner's doing his state of the union of the NFL. Has it been talked about at all? And especially with the Rams in the Super Bowl at that particular facility. Well, I think that you know this week the NFL walked into the Super Bowl uh, amid a hailstorm of controversy, sure. right? And and I'm not. And I'm not belittling, you know, I'm not belittling totally what happened to, yep. to the, to the folks totally get it. Yep. Like, please don't. <laughs> but I would say that first and foremost on his plate right now is an absolute crisis on the diversity coaching front. Understood. And I yes. think that, and I think that, um, that has been, uh, you know, that has been kind of his focus right now. And I think that there's, you know, I think that there's a legitimate concern here. I mean, uh, you know, not only with what's going to happen in the future, but where this lawsuit's going to go. You know, it's you know, it's crazy that the third or fourth most important thing on his plate right now might be the John Gruden lawsuit, which wow. we just talked about a couple of weeks ago. You know, think about that. And so, um, you know, the NFL's trying to punch back against a lot of stuff right now. And I think, luckily for them, um, maybe that storyline flew under the radar a little bit. Connor, it's not very often that a kicker, unless he misses a kick, can become a story. I loved your piece about Evan McPherson of the Bengals at the MMQB. He really appears to, A, have a great personality, and B, we've seen it, he can kick. Yeah, he's uh, just tremendous. I mean, you know, to call your shot the way he did, um, you know, in the uh, in the divisional round, and but really to cap off one of the greatest seasons I think we've ever seen for a kicker in modern NFL history, um, you know, his accuracy, um, the consistency with which, he, which he's hit from length. And, uh, you know, it's just interesting to kind of dive in his backstory. And his high school coach said that he was so valuable as a kicker and he was a great athlete, but they wouldn't put him anywhere else on the field because he was so dominant. And like, they would let him try from 68. Um, his little brother, who's going to Auburn, uh, almost hit a 70 yarder in regulation this season. So like, they have this wild sort of kicking family dynasty. Uh, all three brothers uh, went to D1 schools to kick, and so it really is uh, It's an incredible sort of uh, story there. Our guest is uh, Connor Orr from SI and MMQB. Um, who do you like this weekend and why? Well, it's funny. I mean, the why is something that I can't really answer, but I'm picking the Bengals, and I don't know how they're going to win. I, I can't now imagine. Now you're beloved here in St. Louis. So good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, I just, uh, you know, they had me give our prediction on our Instagram and I was like, I don't know how it's going to happen. I won't be able to explain it when it happens. I probably won't be able to write it very well when it happens, but we've bet against this team at every stretch. Um, Joe Burrow is just the consummate winner. He's, I've, I've never seen such singular great quarterback play. That's just lifting a franchise at this point. And, uh, they're they're just uh, they're playing with house money right now, which is a very dangerous thing. Which I think is the opposite of what you could say with the Rams. Hey Connor, before we let you go, one of your podcasts this week was how Super Bowl Fifty Six could be lost, and I, I want you to give us a, a scenario for each team in which they could give it away. Well, I think the Bengals is fairly obvious in that you know the Rams have 
some of the most talented interior and exterior rushers in the NFL, and their right side of the offensive line is awful. And they sit in 11 personnel for the whole time. So they don't have a lot of protection back there for Joe Burrow. That is kind of the obvious example there. I think that that could slip and slide fairly quickly if they, uh, if they let that get out of control. On the other side, you know, the Bengals, if, if they can get bodies on Cooper Cup, I think if they can, you know, they're going to rush four. But if Trey Hendrickson can get into the backfield, if Hubbard can get into the backfield and force Matt Stafford into like one of those kind of dumb pick sixes, he's made a few of them this year. If that can happen, if they can get that kind of weird defensive touchdown, I think the Rams lose that game because if you give Joe, Joe Burrow a little bit of a lead, I don't think he's going to give it back. Connor, we really love the work that you guys do at the MMQB, especially at this time of year when it's a must read and you got to get ready for the Super Bowl. And we know how hard you guys have been working and appreciate your time this morning here in St. Louis. Well, thank you for having me. Thanks have a so great much. day and enjoy your weekend. That is Connor Orr of Sports Illustrated and the MMQB joining us on 101 ESPN. Great job all week long by our producer engineer, Matt Rocchio. Thank you, sir. Hey, thank you, Randy. And Daniel, we're back at it on Monday morning, Super Bowl Monday and Valentine's Monday. Yes, fun week, Randy. Always fun to be with you guys and uh, looking forward to the weekend and go Bengals. Go Bengals. We thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show till Monday morning at 7. Have a great weekend, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Carriker and Smallman Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.